Warning, this video contains super awesome content not suitable for people who don't enjoy super awesomeness. Viewer discretion advised. Welcome to Viewer's Choice. Your selection is about to begin. But first, take a look at what else you can see this week. Hey dudes, inviting you to travel through time. First stop, a long layover at the video store. Bogus. Wait, you've got viewer's choice. Excellent. Hello, you rotten little bloodsuckers. America's most popular now. Get extra value. $12.50 cash back. Rise and shine, Mr. Freeman. Rise and shine. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. What? I say what it is. Let's get out of here. When life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Make life take the lemons back. Get mad! I don't want your damn lemons! What am I supposed to do with these? Demand to see life's manager. Make life through the day and thought it could give Cave Johnson lemons. Do you know who I am? I'm the man who's gonna burn your house down with the lemons. This is my ship, the Nebuchadnezzar. This is the core. We broadcast our pirate signal back into the missions. Welcome to the Nebuchadnezzar with your host, Ernesto Morado, the double-headed boy, and your co-host, Pablo Morado, the Thunderbolt. You are the allies are not going to us are not going to be intimidated are not going to be intimidated by Putin and his reckless words and threats he's not going to scare us and he doesn't or intimidate us Putin's actions are a sign he's struggling the sham referenda he carried out and the this routine he put on don't worry it's not on there if you're looking okay and the uh, um, he uh the sham routine that he put on this morning that's showing the unity and, you know, as people holding hands together. Well, the United States is never going to recognize this. And quite frankly, the world's not going to recognize it either. He can't seize his neighbor's territory. 
can get away with it. It's as simple as that. And they're going to stay the course. We're going to continue to provide military equipment so that Ukraine can defend itself and its territory and its freedom, including additional resources that the Congress is going to give me today of 13 billion more dollars to help Ukrainians defend themselves and fight back. And we're fully prepared to defend it. I want to say this again. America is fully prepared with our NATO allies to defend every single inch of NATO territory. Every single inch. So, Mr. Putin, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Every inch. Welcome to the Nebuchadnezzar with your host, Ernesto and Pablo Morales! This is show number 56! Welcome to the most banned podcast on the internet! Today we got a special guest, folks, Mr. John Lee Dumas! And we got lots of crazy conspiracies, great current events, and some paranormal phenomenon for you later on in the cast today, folks. We are happy to have you on, and welcome to the Pyramid Podcast. <laughs> That's a hell of an intro. What's the name of the band again? It's a System of a Down. System of the Down. <laughs> Love it. How you doing? I'm back. Yes, from you my are. Hiatus. I was in the Everglades down with the alligators and the moccasins. The moccasins. moccasins. Mm. Yeah, I went to Lettuce, Lettuce Lake Park. Lettuce Lake Park. And I saw one of the oldest trees I've seen over 600 years old. Wow, 600 years old. Yeah, I mean, this was pretty impressive. <laughs> so, yeah, I went down and I chilled with the warlock a bit. Mm. Um, I, We did some hiking at Lettuce Lake. Okay. That's, that's in, um, by Lutz. I would say in Tampa, Florida, by the, the Hillsborough River. Hillsborough Hillsborough River. Hmm. Very interesting place. Ancient looking place. Hmm. Uh looks has a little remnants like little uh likeness to the Everglades. Hmm. Just not as deep because it's a state park and in the preserve. Okay. And I wasn't able to see no no alligators, but I did see the oldest tree I've ever seen. It's sprouting right out of the marsh. Huge. Mm. And that was pretty impressive. And then I just chilled by the pool poolside, you know, chilling mm. with the warlock. Smoked a ton of we cigars. We saw that you were rescuing some uh, raccoons. <laughs> yes. Um, the warlock is having a little problem with this uh rac with these raccoons because you know they go into the pool mm-hmm. and they do they business in there uh, oh nasty yeah so he he tried to put some repellents repellents okay. are not working so he 
put up some traps and he's been trapping them and we've been taking them to the preserve, which they'll be better off anyway than, you know, being around homes. Mm. So, yeah, we did that. We we uh, released a uh, little uh, teenage raccoon into the park. And we had a lot of fun. I went to the casino, did some gambling, mm. and basically R and R. That's yeah. That's uh, if you, you know, because uh, you didn't see uh, last week's cast, but I kind of uh, uh, told the audience, you know, that because you're a, a gig worker now, and uh, you were an Uber driver before, the idea of a vacation day is like an impossibility because you don't get paid for those days that you're off. Uh, no, I'm not. And believe it or not, I never, I've never had a job mm, that, that pays me for my vacations. Mm. <laughs> so for people who gets paid to be on vacation, let me tell you, that's a luxury. Cause when I take off, I lose money. Mm. And you know, a lot of people complain you know, a lot of people, they have their vacation days and they wish they had more. And, you know, I feel like humanity, that's our default is to complain. Like we always find well, reasons to complain. I've learned. And I learned this through the warlock. Mm -hmm. That if you're unsatisfied with your vacation days mm -hmm. and you're working at a place that pays your vacations. Mm hmm. Go up to your supervisor and ask for more vacation days. What's the worst that can happen? Mm. They can say no. No, yeah. And Warlock that's, went that's up not to his kill you. No, Warlock went up to the to his peers and mm -hmm. his supervisor. Well, actually, to to the supervisor who was deals. able to help him with that. Right. Okay. He said, "Yo, I've been here a while. Mm. I think I deserve more time." And they gave it to him. That's awesome. Paid. That's awesome. And because of him, other people got mm. more vacation days. So now people are thanking him like, damn, dude, thank you for asking. Mm. It doesn't hurt to ask. No, then that's a very good uh, value. Um, it doesn't hurt to ask. Not no. at all. That's why I ask for you fans. Mm. Yeah, I mean... You know, go to our website, buy some paramin vitamins. <laughs> Please, it's how we fund our show. That's right. And if you're not interested in vitamins, we have coffee, mushroom infused coffee. If you don't like coffee, we got swag, right? That's right. But if you're a clothes whore, a clothes horse, and these are people who just buy clothes to buy clothes. Uh huh. You don't have more. You don't have any more room in your closet for some swag. Then straight up donate, right? Straight up donate, or tr give the brain boost a try. If you're ever having headaches, or you want more focus in the gym, or you just uh, one of the side effects I'm hearing, and call it a side effect, is people are just happier on the brain boost. So you want to feel a little happier. I'm not saying that this is proven uh, scientifically, but give it a try. Let us know. What we happened with me was I had a migraine a couple of weeks ago. And usually 
I tough it out, but this migraine in particular was pounding, mm-hmm. and I was about to go for the pharmaceuticals. Uh, my daughter-in-law suggested give Brain Boost a try. As a matter of fact, I got some Brain Boost right here, and just so that I can be as sharp as I can, because today is going to be a very good explosive podcast we have a special special guest i don't know if you heard in the intro but we got a special guest uh showing up today in the first segment mr john lee dumas and uh he is um the uh founder of entrepreneurs on fire which is a podcast and also it's his own uh business of uh, where he does uh, books and he also uh, journals. He does um, uh, teaching and coaching. Um, if you go over to uh, eofire.com, and I'm going to head over to eofire.com now. Uh, let's see. Um, and you can see um, all the things that he does, um, the podcast, his blog, the archive, but one of the things that he uh, his podcast is specifically um, around, you know, entrepreneurship and, um, you know, f- for this cast, is you might uh, if you've been listening to this cast a little bit, you might be thinking, oh, this is a little bit different than our normal. And you're correct. This is a little different from our normal. But this is what we want. We want to uh, bring more value to um, our listeners. We want to be able to bring more um, interesting guests. And not only that, but, you know, these are things that we face, you know, trying to build this podcast up. And if we can help others, you know, find their thing, find their uh, business, their niche, their whatever it is that makes them happy. And if we could be that uh, that uh, inspiration, just like John Lee Dumas was the inspiration for me, which allowed me to create the first ever show I ever did, which is the woke show, which, you know, it sucks that uh, they bastardized my my term, which was woke. I said it before more, more than anybody else. I created a show before anyone else called, I called it woke. And they just took that, that term and, and, and perverted it. So then I created Emerald J, a different podcast with my sister. Unfortunately, that also uh, ended. And now I'm on podcast number three with my father. And this is all because John Lee Dumas has always uh, made it very clear. This is something that he, uh, a theme that he states in throughout his podcast, which is very um, poignant, which is three feet from gold, right? You know, there's a story that he tells of a man that uh, he has this, um, he had bought this plot of land that um, that supposedly contained uh, gold. He was mining and 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 mining, and it took him several years, and he found nothing. So he got all upset and sold the land for very cheap, right? The guy that bought the land uh, was mining and he and struck gold. He, the guy was only three feet away from gold. Wow! And that it, what it what the story shows is, regardless of how long it takes, continue, keep going, don't stop because you never know. You might be just three feet away from gold and you might be quitting at a time where you're right there you're right, and that right 
for us or for me is poignant because after hearing that, I never stopped. I kept creating new podcasts. And I mean, I can't say we have the gold yet, but if you can consider having somebody as big with the amount of reach that this man has on a podcast as humble as ours, I think that it right there is is striking at the surface of gold. What do you think? Absolutely. And I'm a newcomer when it comes to John Dumas. Mm -hmm. But when you look at his journal, which you can buy this at his website, um, it's a great way to organize your life. It has everything you need. Reminders. Well, goals. Here, here's what it, it what it does. What it what it what it does is, it breaks down the the stresses of you know because when you're an entrepreneur, there's nobody telling you what you need to do, and there's no punching in or punching out. So what ends up happening with a lot of entrepreneurs is they get so overwhelmed with all the things that they got to do because they have to put on so many different hats. And what John Lee Dumas found out was that 80% of the stuff that you do in a business is, is not getting you closer to your goal. 80% of what you're uh, doing in your business, like following up on emails and doing all these things, um, you know, it, it's, it's necessary, yes, but it's not bringing you uh, hard revenue you know what the things that bring you revenue is sales you know making a sale of any kind right so all the other things that isn't sales the 80 percent of stuff that isn't sales really is doesn't nothing for you but if you focus on the 20 percent of stuff that brings the sales it gives you the opportunity and the time to work on the 80 percent and the way he does that by focusing on the 20 percent is by like you you really have to think about what your goals are. You break it down every day. You put yourself accountable and you say in the morning, it's a morning and evening thing. So you say in the morning, this is what I plan to do for for the day. In the evening, you check yourself. I did, I completed this. I didn't complete this. At the end of a 10-day period, you review your week and and you give yourself like a scoring and over time, you start seeing your progress. You start measuring it yourself. Well, here I opened up his book, and I'm mm -hmm. at day 46. And it has a little quote. You may be disappointed if you fail, but you are doomed if you don't try. And the quote is by Beverly Sills. Right. So every page has a quote. The whole book is all about to inspire motivation and to keep you because the idea is if you write stuff down, that worry of like, oh, I got to do what you know what you do, what you got to do. You know what is good for tomorrow and you know what you've done today. And that's it. You you section what you can and cannot do. And then you're always crossing things out. So you always feel accomplished like you because a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, don't, they don't feel accomplished because that. The is never the work is never done, you know. It's never like complete. So you can, you don't know how good of a day you've had if you never if you're not consciously thinking about what your day is and bringing it down to the the granular points. And by and by him doing this and coming up with this system, 
I mean, if you go over to his website, eolfire.com, um, you see, you, he's uh, very uh, open about his finances. And the reason being is because he's showing you, he's using himself like the guinea pig and showing you like this is possible. You know, he didn't come from uh, extravagant backgrounds. He came from uh, very humble beginnings and uh, he is a veteran and just uh, used the, what he has, the cards that he has to the best of his abilities and created a podcast. And now look. He says here on his website, June 2023, his income was $166,000. Now, who do you know that makes $166,000 in a month is posting it and, and, and showing you like, this is how I did it. Very few people. Yes, he's not a gatekeeper. For, you know, he's he's definitely open to showing how he does it. And as I open up his book here... Um, it has like great little things for you to write down. Like I'm on day 46 here. I read you the quote and then it says, I am grateful for space so that you can write what you're grateful for. Right. In 54 days, I will. Right. You know, cause the whole thing is it's a, it's a hundred days. So it's a hundred days to your freedom. So if you start thinking about what you're going to look like in a hundred days time, Whatever it is you want to accomplish in 100 days. So, like, let's say for us, for example, you know, we want to, in 100 days, we want to amass, let's say, $5,000 uh, in a, a month in, in gross income, right? So, we plan it out meticulously, and we work on all the things that are in the 20%, leaving aside the 80% for, because we know we're going to, have to do it you know we're gonna have to follow up on emails or whatever but we we write down and focus on the 20 percent and then the 80 percent kind of like follows it out from the 20 percent work you know the 20 percent generates the 80 percent of that work you know following up on customer and customer service and all these other things and following up on news stories and all that other stuff so um we have the, him on the cast. Um, he's going to be a special guest. He's going to give us some great advice on how we could take our personal, our um, businesses here in the podcast. We've got the Paramid Vitamins and Fungi Coffee Co., as well as the ParamidShop.com, which is where you can get your swag. And we ask him, you know, what are the things that we could do? What is the first step that we should take? Um, to improve our business and without hesitation right away he gave us wonderful uh inspiration and, and well, let's tease that let's tease that for later. <laughs> what do you mean because uh, i was going to start us up with uh with that as with a the first. interview or yeah. we're going to do it right off the bat yeah i was going to get it get it going right off the bat here all right so before you go into his into our interview with mm -hmm. him oh, you know, oh wait we got a we got a person uh coming into the cast uh so when you comment on the cast that makes you an honorary oh. so to claim your verdugo status just go to the sign up and claim your verdugo status it's going to come with a lot more than uh than just access to the cast. He's going to get access to free documentaries and more. So sign up at the Pyramid Shop. Yes, join at the, the Pyramid, rather. 
com. So like I was saying, so uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm sorry. So we got a incoming question. Oh, okay. It says, "Hi, this is from Ven Ven Instance." So what what's the question? Um, uh, what question do you have? If you're still on, just let us know what the question is. All right, so continue. What was your uh? No, my observation on on his journals. It's not all business as well. It, it it kind of like encompasses your whole life. Like it says, two wonderful things that happened today, mm-hmm. and you write them down. Two struggles I encountered today. You right. write them down. Possible solutions for struggles. Tomorrow will be a great day because, and it has space for you to write that. Write that, and then finally it says final thought of the day. So this is probably the last entry for day 46. And then at the end, it says good night, you know, Fire mm. Nation. And as you turn the page, you're into day 47, and you start it all over again. Right. So this is a great thing, especially. The idea is to, to uh, create good habits. Absolutely, and I'm a, I'm a big proponent of journaling. Um, when you journal it organizes your thoughts and i'm i'm also a big proponent that when you write stuff down it sticks in like a beza mm. it sticks in there and you don't forget it you know it's like the whole adage when the teacher would make you you know write a problem or a formula as a punishment you know 20 over times and over, over and over. Yeah. It tends to stick. So, yes, let's go into his interview. Did the, did the guy ask you the question? Uh, So, we got a comment for, but they didn't actually have. Uh, what was his comment? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like he said he wanted to make, or he or she said that they wanted to make a question, but uh, no question was received. So, go ahead and please make your questions uh, known uh, if whenever you're available, if you're still with us. So um, that being said, we're going to move over to the interview. So this is John Lee Dumas. And uh, now before we uh, play it just really quickly, we want to uh, also give a little uh, uh, back uh, story of what's going on in the background here. So uh, like some freak of, uh, of uh, nature or something, uh, we started getting some kind of technical difficulties. Now, we pre-recorded this prior to the cast, so there shouldn't have been any sort of lag. It shouldn't have been any, like, you know, um, uh, issues with the live stream or anything because we weren't live streaming. We were recording it, right? But right. we had so many issues. You know, it was like uh, Lucy was trying to stop this from from getting it uh, getting it done. How crazy is that? But we got we still went ahead and got it done, so uh, I'm happy that yes. we were, we were able to get it done. But if if you noticed, um, uh, Mr. Ernesto Morado is not uh, with us in the beginning uh, stage of I the. I pop in and I pop out because in Morado fashion, <laughs> such an important day when we have the man John Dumas. Everything malfunctions. Of course. Everything. Right. Well, we got the interview, and thank you, Mr. Dumas, for giving, uh, for gracing us. We really appreciated your time, and, you know, 
we hope to have you back on the cast. We have so many more things uh, to ask you, and hopefully we could show you that not only do we uh, are we people of our word and entrepreneurs that are, are, are going to do things the right way, but we would like to show you that, you know, that we can adjust and we could do things, you know, like we, we appreciate your opinion and we've, uh, we're going to adjust now because of the things you said in this interview. Absolutely. So is this uh, for those that are wanting to uh, build a business or wanting to do anything entrepreneurial, uh, one of the things before I play the, the, the interview real quick, I just want to say that in this journey of mine, becoming an adult and figuring things out and wanting to be an entrepreneur because of that's what I, I know, that's what I have grew up in, that's something that resonates with me. But um, one of the things I realized is that if you're in a job, a regular old nine to five, regardless of what the job is, basically you're accepting a, a loss in your funds every year because you're not your boss is not paying you a a, a raise at the same rate of inflation so every year you're taking a pay cut just by staying in your job but if you have a business what you can earn the sky's the limit i mean how many businesses have earned more uh, money this year than they did last year you know, it happens every uh, every year with a with a certain businesses, and John Lee Dumas is one of those people that made more money this year than you know he did last year, and that's the whole goal of owning a business. So, if you're in a job in a nine to five job, and you're looking for or you're wanting more out of life, or you just want to maintain being in the middle class, or or want to get into the middle class, or want some type of freedom look at entrepreneurship because that might be the way where you can you know uh diversify how you earn because if you're just relying on a corporation they could just remember there's a lot of people out there that are just at will employee employees and what that means is the they could just you know fire you with or without cause you know and I've been there done that right i know what it is to just get the and axe for no particular no reason, reason at all and you know I'm very lucky that I'm still in my uh 9 to 5 job because they they uh I can't say the company but you know they uh fired like 70% of their workforce so you know these people showed up to work and without any cause or any reason just simply financial means they couldn't afford to pay them anymore that was it they just didn't have a job and if they didn't have they weren't working on their side business or doing anything on the side uber or gig work or anything then they were going to be at square one trying to figure out how the heck are they going to um you know make means you know how are they going to make th- uh ends meet rather so this no, is why and it's, and it's a hustle everything is a hustle so right. This is why I, th- I felt like having a guest like John Lee Dumas is also great for our audience because they are aware of all the financial stuff that our country is going through. And what better? And than- it's a good exposure to our audience to to see, you know, a guy who, you know, went to war because he did go to war. Mm-hmm. Soldier comes back out and finds himself in a rut. Finds himself going to work, putting on a suit and tie every day. Right. 
and he's not happy. So he goes from that to doing for himself. And look what the rev it's right on his website. Right. So if is in the pudding, you know, if he can do it, we all can do it. And the great thing about Mr. Doom is, is that he's showing us how he is open about it. Yes. He's not being like Gollum. Exactly. My precious. (laughs) Gatekeeping. Right. There's a lot of gatekeepers. So with that, let's move on to the interview. So hope you enjoy it, folks. This is John Lee Dumas. So just give us a second here. It looks like uh, it's taking a second to open up here. Uh, hold on. Seems like it was taking a little bit longer, so uh, apologies for the delay. I was going to uh, play it in one way, but looks like uh, playing it that you way. for you TikTokers and you're seeing us through TikTok, Go to the Pyramid, P-A-R-A-M-I-D, shop.com, and view us live. You can see all the bells and whistles, and you can see the interview with Mr. Dumas. That's right. So here we go. <clears throat> as it's loading up here, folks, seems like it's uh, taking a moment here. So just give it a second as it's loading up. Um, I just want to, again, mention uh, the Paramin Vitamins. Check out our Optimal and our Brain Boost. Brain Boost is 10 of the best mushrooms. That's reishi, turkey tail, shaga, lion's mane, uh, royal sun, and black fungus mushrooms all into one delicious gummy. Um, so try it out today, folks. Um there's uh, so many benefits, cognitive benefits, um, stomach benefits, um, and, and uh, anti-inflammatory benefits, focus, um, so many things that are beneficial with this gummy. So try it out today. That's um, And we got a new URL. That's ParamenSup. That's P-A-R-A-S-U-P-E. I'm sorry. I'm so, I don't know what happened to me today. <laughs> One more time. That's paraminsup.com. That's P A R A M I N S U P P.com. Paraminsup.com. Now, um, you could also find it at theparamintshop.com as well. Now, it seems like we're having a little bit of technical difficulties with our uh, stream. Uh, for whatever reason, it seems like we're having a little bit of a technical difficulty trying to play this um, our our segment here. So just give us a another moment here. Um, hopefully you can still uh, hear us out there. But something's oh. going. Oh, something's going on. Hold on. I lost we're, it all together. You lost it all together. So it seems like we're having an a issue with our internet. I don't see how. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going on here. It seems like we're having an issue with our internet today. Uh, We're directly connected, so I'm not sure what's going on. We're still recording. I I don't know how the live stream is going right now. Uh, Something's going on. Um, It appears that our internet kind of kinked out. Uh, do you, are you having any issues on your side? Yeah. Even on, even on my phone, the live network is unstable. Huh? No internet access. 
Huh. Well, uh, give me one second there, folks. I'm not sure what's going on. Again, we like we said prior in the cast, we've been having a little bit of issues. Uh, just give me one second while okay, I get... it's coming back up. It's coming back up. All right. So give us one second while we get this cast back in order here. Here we go. We're back. Please sit tight and hold... Okay. So it seems like we're back on... Don't know what happened here. So, all right. So we're back on. I don't, I'm not sure what happened. We had a little bit of uh, technical difficulty. Seems like our internet uh, conked out. Perhaps weather or maybe uh, Putin's uh, getting successful with these uh, cyber wars I've been hearing about, cyber attacks that they've been warning of. I don't know, but this is a little strange. What, what's going on with our... I mean, we're directly... We're not even using Wi-Fi or nothing. We're just directly connected. If you are technically savvy out there and listening to this podcast, please, we need all the help we can get. And in fact... I wonder if we could ask John Lee Dumas about how we can strengthen our stream. Maybe we can uh, reach out via email because we've been uh, suffering over this like stream lag issue. And, um, you know, I don't know how other people do it. I've been finding other ways. Um, Luckily, even today, I got a nice hint from the podfather about how he keeps his... uh, his uh, stream very clear, but his stream is audio only. We have the extra uh, video effect, but uh, looks like everything is going back to normal now. So let's see if I can present this video file like I had promised. So with let's our see. interview with Mr. Dumas. That's right. Here we go. All right. Let's see. Here we go. Okay. As we are carefully and patiently waiting, rather, for this thing to play. I'm not sure what's going on. Huh. There we go. Oh. Nope. What's going on? Hmm. Well, perhaps the powers that be is not allowing us to play this. I don't know how that's possible. Let me try one more time here. Apologies for the delay here, folks. Uh... Hmm. This is unbelievable how the how this these sort of things uh happen to us. I, I, I can't I can't even imagine And it's a shame because we really wanna get this interview on because we are very proud that Mr. John Lee Dumas went on our podcast and you know, a a man who is as busy as he he is, you know, to join our podcast is uh it's a great honor. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I'm going to try one more time. Hopefully we can get this uh, interview uh, up and running here. I'm not sure what, what the delay is going, um, but we're going to try one more time just to get this uh, interview on the way. But uh, that being said, um, anything uh, in current events that uh, you wanted to discuss while I get this uh, uh, on the way? Well... I don't know if this is current events, but I know we're going to um, tap this towards the end of our podcast. Oh, yeah. You want to you want to tease our audience about what's going to be what we're going to be talking about in the paranormal UFO segment? Yes, there's a very, very interesting mind 
opening documentary and this is on youtube am i correct yes i but it's uh on youtube for available for purchase so you have to you have to um buy it on youtube um i think everywhere it's basically available for purchase uh, anywhere that you can purchase movies you know redbox or or amazon or uh youtube or wherever and yeah, it's maybe dr dr steven greer right and what you hear on this particular documentary is astonishing. Mm. It's about how the powers that be suppress technology, uh, suppress... And why they do it. And why they do it. They suppress innovative th thinking. They suppress information that in my opinion should be told to everybody as far as um the extraterrestrial phenomena mm -hmm. um and it's been going on for decades hi there folks so this is oh oh okay <laughs> but go ahead uh so anyway, we will unpack that towards the end of the podcast, but we got our very important interview and there is Mr. Dumas right there chilling at Puerto Rico in a beach somewhere. That's right. He's catching a, some uh, in his own home. Yeah, in his own home. Oh my god, it looks so beautiful in the background. You see the ocean. I think everybody should have the chance to enjoy what he is enjoying and there's only one way to do it. <laughs> and that is to organize yourself into a business. And, yeah, organize yourself first and then think forward and make your own business and we could be just like Mr. Dumas over here. Yeah, so uh, sit tight and watch this interview with Mr. John Lee Dumas. Is um a very very uh hi there folks. So this is um a very very uh special interview, a special cast uh, that we have today. We have on the line somebody that's been a very big inspiration to me. Why we're able to do podcasting at all? He basically laid it all out there, basically for free almost. Uh, a lot of it online and digitally. Um. You know, one of his uh, biggest uh, things that he says in all of his podcasts is you are the sum total of the people of uh, the five people that um, are around you. You know, so even if it's by podcasting, you know, having that conversation or being listening into that conversation, it, you know, fills up your cup, you know, and you're more likely to imitate and, and be like the people that you surround yourself with. You know, your environment's very important. So um, this is uh, Mr. John Lee Dumas. Um, he's a, a, a retired uh, veteran and, um, uh, a, again, a very big inspiration. And um, uh, can you please uh, tell us, uh, uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Well, first off, thanks for having me. I wish you would have given me a couple more days uh, heads up. I could have... 
five o'clock shadow right here. It's too long to grow a mustache. And I, I would have loved to join you on that one. Okay? Well, hopefully we'll get you back on if, if you're willing. There it is. There it is. Welcome back on with the right handlebars. Yeah, you pretty much summed it up. You know, I launched a podcast 10 years ago interviewing the world's most successful entrepreneurs. And here I am, 4,000 episodes, 150 million listens, over wow. 2 million listens a month of the show, Entrepreneurs on Fire. And I'm honored to hear that you've gotten value from some of my content, like my free podcasting course. Yeah. Uh, which is at freepodcastcourse.com, the Freedom Journal. The Mastery oh, Journal, all of that, and I'm glad I'm glad you've enjoyed the content, brother. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, he's taught me so much about business through the guests that he has on. Um, I've got into real estate because of uh, some of the guests that you've had on. Um, I've learned about click funnels and marketing and all sorts of things. So um, one of the main reasons that we we are having you on today is because because you had planted the seed and inspired me um, to really start a business. Now, my father was uh, a big part in that because um, my father has always been an entrepreneur, has been uh, uh, owner of a bodega for my whole uh, childhood. Um, and then unfortunately, he had lost a business and has been kind of like uh, finding himself in between, you know, uh, losing that entrepreneur you know, lifestyle to now like, okay, now where do I see value? I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm speaking kind of for you, uh, dad, but, uh, no, that's basically it. You know, I've always, again, I get it from my dad. My dad was an entrepreneur. I went into the business, um, worked there for 15 to 20 years. Then I did the renovation and then things didn't go as planned because 2008 hit and we were part of that debacle. But just to tell John, if I may call you John, um, I've been seeing my son tote these books around. And I'm like, what is it with you with these books? And, he, <laughs> and one time, you know, he was with his sister-in-law. And they started discussing you. And that's when I it clicked like, oh, this is what the book is about. This is what's motivating this kid. So thank you, Mr. John. Uh, you've been a definite inspiration for my son, and he loves your <laughs> your journals and your journaling uh, uh, thing that you do. And <laughs> I'm so, just in awe because we have this guest on, and right. <laughs> I'm like, well, listen, I want to say thank you because my inspiration for watching the show ten years ago was to do just that was to have amazing conversations mm. with inspiring entrepreneurs who had value to share with the world and then to allow those conversations to be listened to for free by an audience of people who was hungry for that information that could give them a spark an aha moment an idea a belief that they could create something that they were passionate about excited about that they could impact and add value to the world. So for me, it's all about the ripple effect that my podcast has been able to have through my guests, through just sharing now 4,000 successful interviews wow. with inspiring entrepreneurs. Wow. Over 10 and a half. 4,000. I want to keep that? going. And 
<laughs> you know, I've, I've moved to this paradise called Puerto Rico. Wow, um, look at that. <laughs> seven years ago, and and I'll never leave. I just keep having, you know, the opportunity to speak to cool people from a cool location, and mm. life is good. That That's amazing. And, and that's where, so, like, my whole life's journey, so that's my father's story, and then my mom's side of the, of the family has all been entrepreneurs, but then been a little bit more on the successful side. You know, they own... Um, a, a, over 150 supermarkets and so on. So I've been always trying to figure yeah. out. Yeah, so they, they've all, they're very successful. And I always, but they never like give me the secret sauce. Like, oh, this is what you need to do to get to cross over <laughs> onto this side, you know? So what I've been uh, here with my father trying to figure out is now that we've started businesses ourselves, um, we actually have uh, three businesses. Um, if you include the podcast and our two, uh, we have a supplement business um, that we call um, Paramin, uh, uh, Paramin Supplements. And then we have a coffee um, business that uh, we call Fungi Coffee Co. Um, everything uh, is um, the way... I've learned from your podcast, you know, drop shipping and finding things like, you know, um, suppliers and, you know, I don't have to really do much of anything. All the manufacturers can, you know, get everything done. It's all websites um, and, you know, customers go in and, and purchase. But now I'm finding a, a we're finding a little bit of a, a roadblock where how do we get the product that you know we try we see, we have it in studio we do we do our own podcast to try to like boost the message and you know um, advertise our store um, but you know the product works uh, and they're delicious the coffee's great um, it's mushroom infused coffee and I don't see that um, on the shelves uh, really in in many stores so we're trying Who are to your biggest competitors. Well, I guess the biggest competitor we have would be somebody like uh, Laird Hamilton, where like because our our coffee brand is um, mushroom infused coffee, and Laird Hamilton is another person that has mushroom infused coffee. Now he has a subscription service, and um, he has a, a better, I, I would say, a bigger or broader audience because he's a, a surfer and stuff of that nature. So, uh, who, who else is your competitors? Well, I mean, I have a, I, I would, in the coffee market, I would, I would, I, I would say we have a lot. We have Dunkin' Donuts. We got the local. I'm talking about in the mushroom coffee. Well, in the mushroom coffee, there's, there's, uh, as far as I know, we, there's very few and far between. There's not many uh, people that have mushroom infused coffee. So name a couple. Uh, Laird Hamilton, I think Black Rifle Coffee. And I, I, that's all I know of uh, off the top of my head. Okay, so let me tell you something. Mm. I don't even, I'm not even in the business of mushroom coffee. Mm. And I already know that there's Four Somatic, there's La Republica, there's mm. Rise, R-Y-Z-E. So to me, it sounds like you haven't even done a basic Google search on who your competitors are. Because if mm. you had done that, you would know who your competition is. And then once you've done that, now what do you do? you start studying your competition and you start saying, mm. what are they doing? Where are they advertising? What promotions are they going after right now? What seems to be successful for them? So to me, you seem to have, you know, not even done the very first step, mm. which is study your competition. Um, so that's, that's one thing one. I would say that would jump mm. out to me right away. Huh? 
That's very. Uh, uh, I didn't even realize. I I do so much uh, researching and stuff that I thought, you know. But you're you're right. You're pointing out a very uh, very big uh, 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 gap that I wasn't even noticing. Um, I, I got to I mean, step one: Google mushroom coffee. That mm. would be step one. So anybody that's watching this. Mm. And is thinking, hey, like, what am I doing for my products and services? Right. Google what it is and then get your competition in a list and then start tracking and understanding what they're doing. Mm. And you should be emailing their their uh, founders on their team. Get them on your show. Interview them. Ask them questions. Mm. You don't even have to share that you are a competitor of theirs. You can get them to share on your show all of their most successful strategies and tactics because you have this show bring them on ask them what they're doing that's working for their show they're going to tell you and then you start doing those things with your products wow that's that's an amazing that's that's the way to do it right see like you know between me and and my father it's like you know we're trying to like map out somehow and, and like it feels like uh in the in the blind somehow it just feels like something totally new but like you, you, you come in and say something, something so simple, well, seeming simple, but in reality, it's it's more of like the experience that you've had. You know, like, yeah, it's like step one. <laughs> but for me, I thought, I thought that's only, like step seven obvious, or whatever. <laughs> it's only obvious to people who, like you said, have had the experience of learning from others. I mean, mm. I didn't make that up. I mean, mm. I've interviewed four thousand people. I've learned from them. And that's just some of the information and some of the knowledge that I've gleaned from my interviews with other successful entrepreneurs about how they've grown their business. And now I'm sharing with you. Mm. That, that is great. And you know what, um, with, with, I realized that, um, with the, the, the business the side, the other businesses, like the supplement business that we have to, um, and the coffee business, uh, the supplement business, I, I do have to do more research. I really don't know who our competitors are. So that, that's step one. But with the podcast, I believe that right there, I know more, I have more of a focus, I believe, on the podcast aspect. And I know like our competitors are people like, you know, you have uh, Joe Rogan, uh, you have um, Alex Jones, you have... Uh, They're not your competitors. They're no. doing something completely different from you. Mm. They are at such a different level. Your competitors are other shows like yours. You need to go do your research find shows that are doing what you're doing and mm. see what's working for them. So you need to understand that makes that'd sense. Be like for your mushroom companies, like you're doing research on, you know, Gatorade. It's like, that's a different product. Mm. Joe Rogan's a different product. You need to find similar products, similar podcasts mm. and study those. That's very interesting. Hmm. So I, in that aspect, I would say, the closest podcast that um, that resembles uh, ours would be something like a, a No Agenda podcast, uh, but not even that is very similar. Because what we're trying to do here is almost like a hybrid type of uh, podcast, where it's legacy radio and podcasting combined. Um, my father has been very big into the uh, AM FM radio and uh, the talk, old school talk radio style, and we're trying to bring that into the the new uh, podcasting realm. And we're having the the 
ability to uh, take in calls um, and you know and we're trying to uh, do live um, shows to interact with the with the um, audience as well uh, live which will this will well, listen let's interact because we've got two minutes left so you got time for one more question yes oh, bring it yes. on what do you got for me okay so that being said um what what is one thing that you could um uh give us some type of advice in terms of a podcast so that we could grow our audience. Um, Listen, podcast listeners, Mm -hmm. listen to podcasts. So what you need to do is go through podcasts that are similar to yours and find ways to become a guest on their show so that you can share your knowledge, your experience, Mm -hmm. your wisdom, and if you impress the listeners, let them know about your show because those are already podcast listeners. Get them to come listen to the Pyramid Podcast, and you're off to the races. Mm, man, you've been, I'm going to say your favorite, boom, shake the room. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I, this so many value bombs. I, I can't even uh, uh, thank you enough. Uh, you really opened my mind because there was a blind spot. I couldn't even. Yeah, exactly. I, I couldn't even uh, see that. I didn't notice it. You know, I didn't even make, take the first step. You know, to me, I'm doing so much. But um, I really appreciate you couldn't your, even name your competitors. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which means that I have to do more research. And that, that, that right there shows where our kinks are. You know, I thought it was, you know, we had the products, we had everything I'm thinking, but no, that's only, that's only, uh, what is it like one step? You know, I really need to work on this step of knowing our competitors and studying now, now that we have the product now, what can I do to market it similarly that is successful like my competitors have? So Listen, I, brother, I got to jump, but I will let you and your father wrap things up. It was great chatting today to both of you. Best awesome. of luck. And, uh, Thank you so much. It was an honor. I, it was a big honor. Thank you honor. so much. Thank you. I love what you guys are doing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a great one. Well, that was John Lee Dumas, and we really appreciated him coming on the on the cast. Unfortunately, we didn't have time to give him our famous, but uh, he is an honorary. It's such an honor to have him on the cast. Wow, I'm like in awe. Like yeah, we had this guy on, and you know, it's 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 an interesting thing because. Being uh, do, doing the way uh, the way we do our show, you know, it's hard to like it's like the what we say, the sake store, you know, um, time is short. Right. But it ends up being so long. Like the we end up writing such a long letter because uh, time is short. And that's what it ended up being here. We had a short time with John Lee Dumas. And I wanted to say so much to him. I wanted to, like, really get to know him so uh, uh, in depth. But. Unfortunately, you know, if uh, if we had more time, it would have been able to really pick his mind. But in any case, what he did say was amazing. And uh, what did you think of uh, of his uh, uh, words of wisdom? Actually, what I enjoyed about him was his candor. Mm. The fact that he didn't beat around the bush. Yeah, he went straight to the point. He didn't. He didn't appease you. He didn't um, tell you what you wanted to hear 
You Which know. is no, he actually he did tell me what I wanted. No, to I mean, but he, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is no, like he didn't he didn't sugarcoat it. Or, yeah, or, like he didn't you know give you the fluff that you're looking for. Right. You know, he went right to it and said, "Dude, you gotta you gotta need you need more research." You couldn't even name your competitors. Right. Like gave it to you bluntly, mm. and to me, those are the hallmarks. Of a good mentor, that he is he he breathes success. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's proof is in the pudding. He's a he is a successful podcast host. In order for you to cultivate success, mm-hmm. you know, from another person, you cannot give them. Uh, like, say, he cannot be a yes man, right? for lack of a better word. And what I got from him, he's right to the point. This is what you got to do. And he didn't sugarcoat it. Dude, you need more. Initially, what he told you was, you didn't even do, you, you haven't done your homework yet. Right. Like Even though I've done all that I've done, it's still... Not complete, in other words. Right, because I think what we're doing is overcomplicating things. Mm-hmm. And he just simplified, simplified it. it. It's a one step. Yeah, I mean, Amazing. I would love to be at that beach right now. <laughs> well, if we, um, you know, take his advice and and push this along, next time around, when we have him back... Will be even better. Absolutely, we'll have things to report how we've adjusted, and before long, we might just find ourselves finding a map to the beach just like he did. You know, absolutely. So I want to thank him immensely for coming on the show, and he deserves a chop. <laughs> And boy, is he a verdugo. 4,000 shows in. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, I, I failed to, because I'm... Not only 4,000 shows, and they, I, I, I was, again, this is something that we're going to have to get over as, as we move along, but we were also awestruck. <laughs> we were awestruck, and then in... in in an in Morado fashion, <laughs> everything malfunctions. <laughs> My computer just just died on me. Never, never. <laughs> no, in, in fifty five episodes, has that ever happened? Never has it happened <laughs> on my computer where the it just shuts down and then. And then I'm trying to get this cast going, and my computer's just blitzing out. It's not what a my god! If if well, my, if Lucy, if, if Lucy was trying to stop this interview from happening, aha! You tried, yes. you tried, <laughs> man. Maybe this is our way. You know, I'm a big proponent that our ancestors are right behind us. We can't see them, and. This is their way of saying, like he said, mm. 
prepare, prepare, prepare. You know, last minute things, you know, but it's not our fault. We, we got the, the, the email yesterday and we weren't expecting that. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, we were trying to get this um, him on the cast, and it was just, you know, back and forth with schedule, so it's been a little bit tough. And unfortunately, you know, I have two kids under two, so it's just been very hectic juggling everything. Luckily, I, you know, I did the the due diligence of putting everything in my calendar, but this date just so, I, it, I just crept up on me. I didn't realize it was uh, the 11th, and it just happened so quickly, so... And and I also want to say something to to Mr. Dumas. Um, I appreciate the fact that he's willing to come on our on our podcast and not be a gatekeeper. Right. A lot of people that are successful tend to be gatekeepers and not wanting to help people on the way up. They brush us off. They have no interest in, in in giving you the right information. If anything, what they will, a lot of gatekeepers, what they do is they distract you and, and send you on a wild goose chase. Mm. You know, just the same way Arnold Schwarzenegger told one guy, when you pose, you scream. Right, right, right. And the poor guy went on stage and he screamed. screamed. Right. Uh, you know, rendering him an idiot, or how he won. He the first time he he said he was posing with that other guy, and he with was Sergio like, Olivia, and he's like, "All right, I okay, think we did enough." Done. And then he <laughs> stayed behind and acted like he quit. Right, you know, and it's unfortunate that a lot of people gatekeep. Mm. You know, because I'm a person. Why should I gate? I just watched a a huge documentary yesterday with Mr. Greer and he said people are like Gollum mm. my precious and these gatekeepers they feel they got something and they want to guard it no and you know, we'll they, talk about that documentary later yeah, on we we supposed to grow as a people help each other nobody makes it on the, uh, uh, totally on their own and with that, um, go follow John Lee Dumas on Instagram. And also his book is Freedom Journal. He has the Freedom and Mastery Journal. And you can find them at um, EOF, uh, I believe it's entrepreneursonfire.com. You just double check here. Uh, or you can go to thefreedomjournal.com to get yourself uh, freedom journal from John Lee Dumas. It's really great. Comes with all the th- all different like tasks and how to break down your day. And the idea here is so that you could no longer feel the strain of like, oh, what do I got to do on a day to day? You put it down in here and you set your goals right and you just attack it. You know, it's not going to happen by itself. You write it down and you make yourself accountable to what you put in this book and then so yeah folks that was our interview with john lee dumas uh it was a uh, amazing value that he gave to us uh here is his book it's the freedom journal you can find it at the freedomjournal.com and it's e 
eofire.com. So if you go over to eofire.com, that's entrepreneursonfire.com, um, you'll be met with the statistics that he has done, um, the things that he's accomplished, his podcast, where to find them, where to find all the tools that he has for, for those that are looking for him. And, you know, not many people provide this totally for free, you know, and this is, again, we based a lot of our podcast comes from the little tidbits that he has given us. You know, we give a lot of free value. There's a lot of value that we value for value where we are a value for value podcast. You know, we hope that you guys provide us value and we give you value by making this podcast, by giving you, um, you know, all these news stories and uh, documentaries and bringing guests on and, you know, giving, uh, finding ways to provide supplements and all the things that we do for our audience. Let me ask you a question, Pablo. Mm-hmm. What age do you think Mr. Dumas is? Um, in his 40s, I believe, no? He looks younger. Yeah, looks I, think, I, younger. I think he's in his... Uh, really? He's in his I 40s? I think so. Uh, let me quickly check he here. He does but, not look like he's in his 40s. So The reason I ask is that with people that I admire, uh-huh. you know, don't ask me why I do this, <laughs> but I do. I do little renderings. <laughs> a little rendering uh, 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 of John Dumas. Uh, here we go. I'll put you on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, 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 one thing that I admire is I love to see young people rise. Mm. I like to see young people get successful. As a matter of fact, I, I had a, a young person come to me yesterday. Here I am attacking Narnia because it's overgrown to the point that I'm worried that mm. the state is going to be like, or the city, or the community <laughs> is going to come to me and say, dude, you got to trim this down. Right. So he sees me, you know, hard at work, and he comes over and tells me that he was in a motorcycle accident um, lasted like four months in the hospital, but now he has a landscaping company. Mm-hmm. The kid is like in his early twenties and he's telling me that his business has taken off immediately. I see that he's young and he's about to do some work on my neighbors. I said, I'm on board. Why? He's young and hungry. Mm. Love to see Young people hungry instead of just, you know, wasting away uh, on video games and watching nonsense on the computer and social media. Young people get out there and do like John Lee Dumas, do like that young kid came to me yesterday and get out there and be successful. I love it. And if I can support you, I will. Mm. Yeah. I mean, so. Uh, yeah, it's an unfortunately, that it doesn't seem like that his age is a uh, is a public knowledge. I didn't get we didn't get to ask him, but we could ask him. Uh, but I think he's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, because he had a full uh, life. He li- he went to uh, it says here on uh, fire uh, nation uh, eofire.com. 
If you go over to EO Fire, you can find all things John Lee Dumas on eofire.com. It says here, uh, I graduated from Providence College in 2002, was commissioned as an officer in the U.S. Army after a 13-month tour in duty in Iraq as an armor platoon leader, tanks, and total of eight years in the Army. I set out to do what... Oh, I, I got his age. I got his age. He's 42 years old. Oh, there you go. 42. There you go. So. So there you props, go. Props to yeah. this kid. Yeah. So um, uh, if you guys want to find out more about John Lee Dumas, go over to EOFire.com. And again, this guy is very successful. He has 148 million listens over 4,000 episodes, 4,018 to be exact. He has earned $166,000 in just last month alone. And if you click on um, his reports here, over the whole year, he, he what person outside of like uh, a publicly traded company puts their whole uh, income out there and, and, and in... in a full breakdown for for everyone to see. Not everyone's guarded about their income, but he he puts it out there for everyone to see. To, so we can look to him as the canary in the coal mine, and we could say to ourselves, if he could do it, we can too. So for 2023, he puts on here that his gross income for just 2023 alone is nine hundred and ninety five thousand dollars and one hundred and ninety six. Uh, so nine hundred and ninety five thousand one hundred and ninety six dollars for twenty twenty three alone. That's almost a million dollars there, folks. You know, do you smell that? What success? Yes, exactly. So he's you know, he's not just, um, you know, being like a guru and you know, not putting his money where his mouth is. He's actually showing you how he's doing, how he's doing it. He's actually giving you the proof in the pudding. He's being very transparent and look, he spent, you know, he took the time to help us, you know, and th- he said it. And that was his goal for starting the podcast in the first place. And, and well, maybe I should just keep my mouth shut. What? <laughs> but we've met, I know I've met people who have their own podcast, right? Uh-huh. The first thing out their mouth is what? <laughs> Don't ask me to get on your podcast. <laughs> And these are Wellaboos, you know, dredging, you know, in the sewers. And they have a podcast now. Don't ask me to be on your podcast. Oh, you're speaking of the Wellaboos. Show the audience what a Wellapoo is. There he is. Shame. 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 These are to the gatekeepers that want to keep us down and oppress us. John Lee Dumas, you are at a shining light for these pus smellers and then dine on the contents. (laughs) Oh, oh. I'm a podcaster, don't you? I don't got time. Right. Please. Please. Or, or, Or what I what I told my wife, if you ever hear me ever, if we ever get to a point where we have millions of, of listeners and we walk around the street and people go, oh, Paolo, Paolo. And if I ever in in a conversation go, oh, well, I'm famous. Shut up. 
Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Don't ask me to get on your podcast. <laughs> get get back to work, you but you podcast monkey. Yeah. <laughs> and yet here we have a very successful man who took fifteen minutes out of his time. By all said and purposes, he could he could have just told us no, no, right? But no, he not only did he take fifteen minutes out of his day for us but gave us wonderful value and therefore gave you guys that are listening to wonderful value. And with that, it's time to go to our first break. All right. So we are now into our first break and this is our ground.news segment. Folks, to the ground.news segment, check out ground.news forward slash pyramid. So go to check.ground.news forward slash pyramid for 15% off on ground.news. If you're wondering what ground.news is, it's a place where you get all the news sources all in one uh, subscription and what they do is they show you the, the slant, the side of where this article is coming from so that you could be a little bit more aware of where uh, this article is basically uh, like the biases that the article has. It uses ChatGPT in full force so that uh, you can understand and summarize uh, lengthy articles in a quick synopsis. And therefore, allows you to understand what's going on without spending many, many hours reading a bunch of articles. Yeah, so, so you can get up to speed on current events just by getting on this uh, website. And you don't have to, like, start surfing the, the internet or surfing your television to see what's the latest news. That's right. So, that being said, with five minutes left in the break... You give us five minutes, and we'll give you news around the world. So let's go into our, our news segment. So you have more than 100 rescued from floodwaters in Vermont. Wow, that's in our backyard. Uh, the National Guard was deployed for more than 100 water rescues in Vermont on Tuesday as northeastern United States continues to face disastrous storm resulting in flooding. It says here, landslide tears apart luxury homes on Southern California Palos Verdes uh, Peninsula. A landslide tore apart luxury homes on Southern California's Palo Verdes Peninsula on Monday, leaving a confused jumble of collapsed roofs, shattered walls, and tilted chimneys and decks dangling over adjacent canyons. Man, wow. California cannot get a break. No, it's getting all the, all the bad things. It says man illegally lands helicopter in Grand Teton National Park, then picnics, rangers say. A man has been cited after he was accused of illegally landing his helicopter on the lake shore in Wyoming's Grand Teton National Park. Now wow. that's my man right there. <laughs> that's my man. It says Trump won't be considered immune in E. Jean Carroll defamation lawsuit 
wow, E. Jean Carroll now is on a defamation lawsuit. It says uh, the Justice Department DOJ said Tuesday that it will. Oh, no, I'm thinking of uh, Jean, uh, Jean-Pierre, uh, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre. This is the other girl that, uh, that accused him of rape no, or something like that. Yeah. Well, let's see here. It's if we go into the article, if you click on the headline in ground.news, it'll give you the 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 summary uh, based on your particular um, political, uh, uh, what is it, uh, ideology. You got your left and your center and your right. So here's the center uh, opinion here. It says the Justice Department has reversed its opinion and stated that former President Donald Trump can be held personally liable for remarks he made about a woman accusing him of rape. Yeah, I was correct. Previously, the department had argued that Trump was protected from the lawsuit by the Westfall Act, which provides absolute immunity to federal employees for conduct with the within the scope of their employment. Which, how crazy is that? There's think- a Westfall Act which provides absolute immunity to federal employees i mean those are the people that don't deserve immunity i really believe donald trump is in competition with california with the worst uh (laughs) he can't catch a break (laughs) it's one after the other after the other after the other just like california um it says here the department's letter filed in a defamation lawsuit brought by the columnist e jean carroll provides the support for Carol's claims and clears one of the last obstacles to the lawsuit proceeding to trial. So that's coming uh, down the pike. Uh, after that, you got Trump won't be, uh, I'm sorry, a six-year-old Florida girl fights off abductor and escapes by biting his arm, authority says. Oh, well, wow. Well, thank God she escaped. Uh, a six-year-old, and, and um, this, this whole uh, story... We're going to, unfortunately, we are going to touch on to this story um, later on in the cast. Not this story, but the abduction of child, um, of children is something that is, uh, I don't know if it's my algorithm. I don't know if it's whatever, but everything I'm listening to is now talking about this new movie. Have you heard of this movie called The Sound of Freedom? I've heard something about that. It has to deal with uh, trafficking, right? Yeah, and we'll, and we'll discuss that later on. Um, let's keep going. Uh, fossilized skeletons of aerial and aquatic predators to be auctioned by Sotheby's. The fossilized skeletons of aerial predator with a, with a 20-foot wingspan and an aquatic reptile with a snake-like neck will be auctioned in, a, in New York this month. Sotheby's announced on Tuesday. That sounds like a movie I just watched. Uh, 65. Mm. You know, it's all about how humankind has been. It's the second time I've heard about that movie today. 65. It's about, I'm not going to give you no spoilers, but it's about how humankind has, you know, uh, existed throughout the universe for Millions of years. They're preparing us, folks. They're preparing us, setting the so ground. The the whole um, movie is based that disclosure <laughs> that this guy um, has an accident and lands on Earth sixty five million years ago, 
and they show that creature uh long necked like uh reptilian mm. uh, very scary very entertaining film um great job Definitely with check that out great job with the cgi very entertaining but it seems like it's a trend like um Clyde Lewis is a big proponent that movies are telling us something. Right. They are. And so is uh, Alex Jones. He's another person that says. So they're preparing us. Art imitates life. That's what. They are preparing us for some Mm -hmm. big disclosure coming down the pipeline. That's right. And uh, let's uh, finish it up here with the remaining uh, uh, headlines. So we have um, Idaho sued over lawmaking. It a crime to help minors get abortion without parental consent. What the hell? Uh, two advoca- advocacy groups and an attorney who works with sexual assault vic- victims are suing Idaho over a new law that makes it illegal to help minors get an abortion without their parents' consent. This mm. is um, this is unbelievable. Um. Well, yeah, I think that's without their parents' consent. Or no, making it a crime to get abortions without parents. I think, I think that's that's reasonable. I'm on board. Yeah, I think that's you know, reasonable. If, if you're, it's just a, a crazy thing to think about helping minors get abortions. With, if you have children, and they happen to be in that situation, I think the parents should know and be abreast about their. The yeah. Situation. Yeah. I mean, the kid shouldn't be able to get an abortion without the parent knowing if they're a minor, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's something off there. And, and this, parents, this. you shouldn't, if it's a minor, parents should be involved in everything that is their children. Right. That's just my opinion. Yeah. So, um, that being said, um, uh, just last a few uh, uh, headlines here. It says Amazon launches first U.S. challenge to EU content rules and says it will be unfairly singled out. Amazon is fighting its inclusion to the European Union's list of companies that are subject to a landmark online content rules, making the first U.S. challenge to propose legislation. What's about? What is this about? It says here, really quickly. It says. Amazon has lodged a legal challenge against its inclusion as a very large online platform of VLOP under EU online content rules, arguing that it is unfairly singled out and that its bigger rivals have not been de- uh, designated as VLOPs. Uh, the challenge filed at the general court m- marks the first by a big tech company and may encourage other tech giants to follow suit and contesting their designation um i wonder what this is uh says amazon have filed a legal challenge against european union's new digital service act disputing its designation as a very large online platform arguing that it has been treated unfairly um let's see the digital service act imposes new obligations on big tech companies to protect users from illegal content and products with violators facing potential fines or bans from operating in the EU. Amazon is one of 19 companies classified as the largest online platforms and search engines under the act. Huh. I still don't understand. 
So it says it imposes new obligations on big tech companies to protect users from illegal content and products. So could our podcast be deemed illegal content or product? Maybe that's why we're facing so many issues with our, our payment provider. Maybe it's a EU kind of thing. It could be, you know. This but- is crazy because it's saying right there from but it's but it's the thing here it says remember, very large online platform. So we don't. Cut, there are certain things that are that. banned, you know, in Europe that you can get here. Right. Even foods. You wanna you wanna hear all the food? I think we went through that before. We went through it. Little Debbie's is illegal over there in in England, right? So maybe it has to do something with that. That's probably it. And with that, it's time. We're to go. at hour one twenty eight. So just to let people know, now I'm switching over to Instagram for people that are watching us on TikTok. Um, now we will be going to Instagram. And, and you don't want to change that uh, the dial. You don't want to uh, uh, touch that mouse because we are going to give you the give you the whole load today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to give you the whole load today. Um, but again, you know, go to theparamidshop.com. Watch us live. You can see the videos that we post and all the bells and whistles that Mr. Pablo is doing. And if you're looking to get 15% off on Ground.News, just go to check.ground.news forward slash paramid. And with that, it's time for the next segment. All right, so now that we're out of the the first break, it's time to go into our favorites. Shall we play a game? Yes. <laughs> Hi there, folks. So this oh. is oh, sorry. So, um, today's question is going to be a very interesting one. I wonder if you have any idea what this is uh, that I'm about Just to ask you. Give me a second, because we're opening up in Instagram. Okay. <laughs> so um, today's cast, we're going to be uh, going over uh, this Ask Ernesto. So I have an interesting Ask Ernesto for, for you that would uh, open up into some topics that we have to, to discuss today. So the question, whenever you're ready. Okay. Uh, the question is, what is a bomblet? Do you know what a bomblet is? A oh. Bomblet. Uh-huh. Wow. First time I've ever heard that term. <laughs> You've never heard of a bomblet? So what's a give uh your uh uh what I think a bomblet is? Yeah. It's roast beef. <laughs> Check this out. It's roast beef, turkey, ham, <laughs> onions, peppers, three eggs. Omelet. <laughs> a bomblet. Yes. With a little bit of hollandaise sauce. <laughs> Damn. That's a bomblet. 
Well, with that, folks, um, is that your final answer? Can I can I get one more in? Yeah, sure, sure. It's a little teeny weeny bomb, you know, a little bomb, you know. It'll just you know blow an arm off you. <laughs> it's like the son of a bomb. It's like <laughs> it's a female baby bomb, and it just it'll just lop your arm off <laughs> if you're in close proximity. It's just, like it's just it's like your a, arm. Yeah, just your arm. <laughs> so it's like a like you know a little grenade or something, a little bomblet. So, it, uh, so a grenade? Would you consider that to be a bomblet? Yeah, <laughs> a uh, baby grenade is a bomblet. Well, uh, I'll give you the reveal here. So here we go. The Biden administration announced today that the U.S. will provide Ukraine with thousands of cluster munitions, bombs and artillery shells that release scores of smaller so-called bomblets across a wide area. Ukraine had requested these controversial weapons, which the U.S. says could bolster Kyiv's offensive against Russian forces. More than 120 countries have signed a convention banning cluster bombs, which sometimes fail. Now, why do you think... They ban cluster bombs and bomblets. Why would they ban cluster bombs and bomblets? Because they do a lot of damage. But you just said they're like little bombs that just lop your arm off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like shrapnel. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But how is that how is that any worse? Then any then a bomb they then just, any other bomb that they throw because you know a big bomb right uh huh will bring down buildings um and it covers so that's better no I'm saying because they're saying here that this is like a ban a a a ban thing like a crimes against humanity type level weapon that this is like uh against the Geneva Convention type weapon because it does it does maim. But so does a big bomb. <laughs> right. So why so on earth? big bombs are allowed, but small bomblets and cluster bombs are not allowed. Right. Is that the, what they're saying? Right. But wh- so that doesn't question. make sense to me. So what, what would you, what do you think their rationale is behind it? Maybe a bomb kills you outright. So there's no suffering while a bomblet will like maim your arm. Uh, you know, uh, blow your leg off, and now you're left to suffer, mm. you know, and you stay alive or burn you or something. It's just like a bomb with shrapnel. Right. A bomb with shrapnel goes off, you're going to suffer. Right. As opposed to a big bomb, you're dead. Right. No suffering involved. So with that, I'm going to give you a... Uh uh. <laughs> you're you're close, but no cigar. You're gonna hear because the the reason they're they're like a a banned uh, type of bomb. Oh, let me let me guess because it's easier to smoke. It's easier to uh, I guess to. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you, it's because of duds. 
Because of duds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Some of them don't explode, and then it's like a mine. Right. And yeah. Then you, you think it's not going to blow up, and then boom. boom. Right. Ah, I see. to explode on impact, posing a significant risk to civilians, for which sometimes 120 countries have signed a convention banning cluster bombs, which sometimes fail to explode on impact posing a significant risk to civilians for years after their use. U.S. leaders debated the issue for months before President Biden made the final decision this week. The president told CNN today it was a, quote, difficult decision, one his national security advisor Jake Sullivan outlined earlier this afternoon. We recognize that cluster munitions create a risk of civilian harm from unexploded ordnance. This is why we've the defer deferred the decision for as long as we could. But there is also a massive risk of civilian harm if Russian troops and tanks roll over Ukrainian positions and take more Ukrainian territory and subjugate more Ukrainian civilians because Ukraine does not have enough artillery. That is intolerable to us. Ukraine would not be using these munitions in some foreign land. This is their country they're defending. These are their citizens. So they're saying this, this report troubles me. Hmm. And it troubles me too in many ways, but why does it trouble you in particular? We keep supporting Ukraine. We keep getting involved. And it seems. And we're, and now we're taking, um, we're giving them munitions where 120 countries already banned those type of munitions in war. And we're getting. This is like so reminiscent of like Vietnam kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Like we keep putting our nose into this into this war that has nothing to do with us. Right. And this is ex exactly like like the Vietnam War, the Korean War, the you know all these wars that we had no business in. Let them deal with it on their own. Yeah, it's kind of scary because let's be honest, we we're at, we're at a war by proxy, right? But now it's like we're being more transparent and letting Putin know we are helping the Ukrainians. Mm -hmm. We are. It's not proxy anymore, right? So it's concerning because. We're getting more involved, and sooner or later, um, I fear that we're going to hear that news where they're shipping American bodies over there to help mm. out. And I don't want to. I don't want America involved in this thing. This is between them. So the thing that I'm like super confused about here is that. Um one of the things that they're saying is that these bombs, the reason these uh, cluster bombs are banned um, is because they are uh, prone to having duds, right? Mm -hmm. And these duds could leave uh, innocent civilians vulnerable to unexploded ordnance, right? Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, right, then is that really helping Ukraine? To have all these unexploded dud bombs in Ukraine. 
Like it, supposedly, it's, it seems to me. Like listen to listen to his uh, his explanation that um their their reasoning. But, but before you play that, it seems to me that Ukrainians are desperate. This whole thing that this this uh, this thing that they're trying to portray that like. The Ukrainians got the upper hand on the Russians. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so factual. And maybe they're running out of artillery. So now, in desperation, you know, the U.S. is not giving them these bombs to help them out, even though they're banned. So is this report telling us that there's an exception is there an exception? Because yeah, so exactly Putin, because Putin invaded them, right? That's so if what you saying. get invaded, you don't have to uh, abide by the Geneva Convention. Not only that, but they're saying that if that if it's your own citizens that are at risk with the with these munitions, then it's fine. Well, what they're saying, in my opinion, what they're saying is. If you're getting invaded, you protect your your country by all means necessary. Even right. if you have to use landmines and cluster bombs. Right, but what but what it what those things how those things are the reason why they're against the Geneva Convention is the civilian harm. And if they're they're what they're saying is that they're okay with the civilian harm. That's basically yeah, but I mean, because in, it's your it's your civilians. If it was the Russian civilians, then we would have a problem. I guess. I mean, listen, listen to it again so that so that uh, we can get a better uh, understanding of what they're trying to say here. Um, the defer deferred the decision for as long as we could. But there is also a massive risk of civilian harm if Russian troops and tanks roll over Ukrainian positions and take more Ukrainian territory and subjugate more Ukrainian civilians because Ukraine does not have enough artillery. That is intolerable to us. Ukraine would not be using these munitions in some foreign land. This is their country they're defending. These are their citizens they're protecting. And they are motivated to use any weapon system they have in a way that minimizes risks to those citizens. The U.S. decision has sparked... Con- but how does it minimize risk to the citizens if the bombs itself pose risk to the citizens? Well, I imagine they're going to let their citizens know that this is what they're doing, so don't go in that area. I guess. But- it's just like landmines. You, I mean, I believe Putin was setting landmines himself. Mm. So this is going to be, this is getting ugly. It's getting to an ugly point, which is, gives me pause because I think the U.S. is going to make the mistake and join this war and then all hell is going to break loose. Mm. I really hope we do not. This is not our problem. Well, in uh, the the coming hour, that's uh, in the second hour, 
we're what we're gonna discuss is dealing with the whole the war as what's gonna happen and somehow or some way Antarctica is involved. And mm-hmm. remember how we discussed Antarctica before when we you said you met somebody mm-hmm. that done tours? Well, we're going to discuss some new things have come to the light with regards to Antarctica. So we're going to discuss that a little bit later in the second hour. But right so now, Antarctica, you you found the link between Antarctica and the and what's going on in Ukraine? Yeah. Supposedly this is a, this is a huge teaser. But supposedly, World War, World War Three will not start until something happens in that article first. Hmm. Now I'm interested. <laughs> but uh, now, before we get to that, we're still in our current event segment, and um, I wanted to bring up something that um, Mr. <clears throat> Tucker Carlson has been on fire lately and uh have you heard some of his latest reports i was on vacation baby (laughs) so um one of this latest report that he has here he discusses our neck of the woods boston and uh there's something peculiar about boston uh in particular two people that came out of boston so He's, he's going to uh, discuss the, uh, his uh, little story here. But then I want to also bring another um, uh, story that he brings up um, for on his new uh, Twitter page. And uh, now it's Tucker on Twitter. And I think Tucker's really, like, uh, opened up and is now really putting uh, uh, truth to power. And he's, like, Alex Jones has been, like, Right now, every, Alex Jones must feel like, I don't know, like uh, vindicated because now where he was the fringe and he was like, oh, the conspiracy theorist. Now he's looking around. And you got the PP, the PBD podcast. Patrick Bet David is sounding like Alex Jones. You got Joe Rogan sounding like Alex Russell Jones. Brand. Russell Brand, the actor, starting like is starting to sound like Alex Jones. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy is starting to act like Alex Roseanne Jones. Roseanne Barr. Roseanne Barr. All these people are now like sounding like Alex Jones. Even Jim Carrey. Wow, even Jim Carrey. Would you believe that? <laughs> so it's amazing. Um, so uh, what? Alex Jones has a uh, uh, spark, but now you got Tucker Carlson, which is another person that actually grew up in the in the the media world and found out like, oh my God, I was on the wrong side of things, and now he's really showing what's going on and the stories that he's covering is is you know it's out there. It's different from the Alex Jones stories, so uh, I really like to hear what he has to say. So I have two stories from Tucker. That we'll um, touch on in this segment before we move on to the next break here. So here's Tucker on Twitter. And this one is uh, about a story right here in our neck of the woods in Boston. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. Belmont Hill is a small private school outside of Boston. It's not famous for its athletics. The school's mascot isn't even an animal. It's an 18th century navigational tool. The Belmont Hill sextants doesn't even make sense. 
So when it comes to sports, Belmont Hill is not trying very hard. But the school's athletic program can claim at least one important footnote to history. In 1975, its football roster contained two names that you will recognize even now, Mark Milley and Richard Levine. Milley is now the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Levine, of course, is our country's most famous admiral. Both transitioned late in life into overweight middle-aged women. Both wound up working as high-level officials in the Joe Biden administration. Their teammates at the all-boys school in Boston probably wouldn't have predicted any of that. Here's what Rick Levine looks like now from a video he just posted on Instagram. Hello, my name is Admiral Rachel Levine, and I have the honor of being the Assistant Secretary for Health at the United States Department of Health and Human Services. Happy Pride. Happy Pride Month. And actually, let's declare it a summer of pride. Happy Summer of Pride. Happy Summer of Pride! <laughs> I can't already see you moaning and groaning over there. <laughs> that is play. <laughs> but uh, before I play, you know, you said, you know, it doesn't matter if it's, uh, it was first a day of pride, right? The pride parade. Then it was a week. Then it became a month. Now it's the summer. And soon it's going to be a year. And then it's just going to be, Pride all the time. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if you are LGBTQ, I mean, you would be pride all the time. But then where's the rest of the population? Because isn't that like if you're the LGBTQ plus community, aren't you like the min minority? I would say so. <laughs> but it ain't the majority the majority of people are not right lgbt right it's not the majority but now they're like they've taken over everything as if they are the majority uh quite frankly i don't really have my opinion on that it could be it could be pride 365 days in a year you you got my my stance on that. Mm -hmm. As long as you keep your private life, you know, um, private. You wanna you wanna celebrate your LGBTQ ness all year long. Go ahead, just don't push it on me. Mm. Don't push it on my children. Let me let me raise my grandchildren my children, my great-grandchildren, the old-fashioned way. And once they get to a point in their life where they want to make a choice, fine. I don't, you know, I, I don't care. Whatever right. you decide you want to do. But I have a problem when you're pushing this on the very young. Yeah, so I have a statistic that I heard about about these uh, LGBTQ, and um, check this little uh, um, uh, graph out. So it says, the U.S. views on origin of being gay or lesbian. Now, they ask a bunch of gay and lesbian people, you know, did you feel like you were born gay, or was it your environmental, is it your environment that made you gay, or both? Right. 
So here you see in 1979, um, the large percentage of the gay and lesbian community said that it was an upbringing and environment that made them gay. Right in 1979, they were saying about 56% of the gay and um, lesbians were saying that it was the environment that made them turn gay, right? And then about it says here about like 14% were were saying that they were born gay. So 14% of the gay community identified as being born gay. And this is in the 1979. As the years go on, you start to see that people are starting to realize or starting to feel like they're uh, more born gay than they are being brought up or groomed to be gay or the environment made uh, made them gay. And as you see here in 1988, it starts to tick up to 19 and 97. It goes up to 31. And in 2000, it goes up to 34, and it's slowly starting to tick up. And uh, and then the environmental upbringing is slowly starting to come down at 44 and 40%. But as you can still see, even though it's coming down, I mean, and it, it does a, 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 a reversal where in 2012, it looks like more people are feeling like they're born gay then they are feeling like they were brought up to be gay or the environment made them gay or lesbian. And now in 2018, 50% of the people feel like they were born with it, uh, born being gay, and uh, 30% of the people still believe that it was the environment that uh, made them gay. So how true this is, I don't know. But environment, the who your upbringing and environment really has... Uh, a bearing on on what you turn out to be. Well, you got to realize, you know, a lot of uh, households don't have the benefit of a two-parent household. Right. So when you're brought up by one parent, and usually it's the mom, mm. you know, you're being brought up in an environment where there's a lack of of a male influence. So the fact that you're missing, you know, that male influence and that that testosterone that a dad brings along might I'm not I'm not no scientist or you know a psychiatrist or anything of that nature, but that might influence the fact that you're being brought up, you know, by a woman alone, you might tend to have, I guess. Well, this article, it says here, it says, uh, when Gallup first asked this nature versus nurture question in 1977, a majority of U.S. adults, 56%, said being gay or lesbian was due to people's upbringing and environment, and only 13% saw it as a birth trait. Attitudes didn't shift markedly until after 1989. Between 1989 and Gallup, and this is is a Gallup poll that that did this uh, um, polling here, 
Um, it says between 1989 and Gallup's next update in 1996, the percentage of Believing in sexual orientation is determined at birth, jumped from 19% to 31% and reached 40% by 2001. It says opinion remained steady for the next 12 years as Americans were roughly split between the two positions. Since 2012, the percentage assigning sexual orientation to nature rather than nurture has increased up another 10 percentage points. This year's values and belief poll conducted May 1st through 10th also shows 67% of Americans in favor of same-sex marriages being legal, a new high for that viewpoint. <clears throat> so it says here that uh, th- this goes over into same-sex marriages. Separately, Gallup recently reported that the percentage of Americans identifying as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender has increased a full point since 2012 and is now at 4.5%. The perception that a person is born gay rather than it being the result of upbringing or other factors has increased among all demographic and political groups. But according to a comparison of the aggregated data from 2001 to 2003 versus 2015 to 2018, the change in beliefs has been most pronounced among the politically left-leaning groups, including young adults, 18 to 34, college graduates, Democrats, liberals, and those who seldom or never attend weekly religious service. Wow. <laughs> so maybe, so they're saying maybe they're, they're making a, uh, uh, an equation where, like, if you're not, if you're more Republican um and attends church then you're more likely prone, to be prone to being straight straight i mean what can i tell you this is a very complicated issue um some people believe they were born that way i mean what what what's striking about this um to me is that whole video that we played you know we will, uh, what is it? We will uh, groom, what, did they say groom your children? Um, oh, right, right, right. We would. So, uh, I'm going to look initially, it Initially, we're going to convert your children. Yeah, convert your children. That's right. We will convert your children. Um, <laughs> so is it really nature or is it nurture? Maybe it's like the people. I think it's a combination of both. You know, people that say it was the environment and the upbringing. I think, I think the. A lot of people were in the closet. Now they're. I think the forgotten people, because for, in my experience, and this is just my opinion and my experience, I'm not a, a, a person that identifies as the LGBTQ, so I really, really have no say in the matter, but I do have family members that are. And, um, you know, in my in my viewpoint, it seems like, like the men, the men that I surround them, that I've seen, uh, or have been surrounded by, they seem to like have that belief that, you know, that is something that is, uh, born in you because there's, there's no attraction to that for us guys. There's no attraction to another guy. Really? There's none at all. Like, you know, you might find, uh, Another guy who has a body that is, you know, uh, 
uh, appealing to a woman or just, you know, physically, you know, uh, a feat of strength, like the way we look at Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? But we're not, you know, there's a lot of straight men that just, you know, they can't see that. But on on the flip side, I've noticed that a lot of women are a little bit more malleable. Women tend to be a little bit more accepting, of that sort of of that sort of thing, it seems like women don't have that ick factor that men do with other men. You know, like well, I believe that. I mean, it's my opinion. <clears throat> women are more sensual, right? They like sensuality. They like um, tenderness, and they might find that tenderness. And that sensualness in another woman. Right. You understand? So, but that's what I'm saying. Like, perhaps that that right there shows that maybe it's it's not so much it's uh, that it's nature or nurture, but maybe it's like uh, a male and female type thing where, you know, maybe it's more born in with males because males seem to have that opinion. But women seem to be more malleable, so therefore, it is more likely for a woman to be um, uh, LGBT, LGBTQ based on their environment than it being born in with them, like like men feel. Like I, I haven't, I sp- I've, over the course of my life, I have many conversations with women. And believe it or not, this sort of things does kind of come up in con in conversation because it's it's something that's going on in our country. Everybody is noticing it, you know, whether or not you're gay or straight. Even the gay community is noticing because they're noticing that it ain't about them either. It ain't about the gay and lesbian. Why are these trans people taking over everything? You know, so there's a lot of uh animosity within the whole labeling of the lgbtq because there's a lot of uh, gay people that are just like i'm just gay don't rope me in with the rest of these lunatics you know i'm just a gay man that likes to be quite honest i'm and i'm gonna be blunt Mm. the same way mr john lee dumas was with us Uh i'm gonna be blunt i'm tired of this Mm. tired of this uh um Subject. I don't know why people are just making a big. People are gay. People are transgender. It is what it is. Just, I mean, well, the re- I the, think the reason we're bringing it up is because there's now an awareness to where, which we're gonna cover in the next hour, um, about uh, the sound of freedom because this is a new movie that's coming out and what it entails is like this whole process of like the Jeffrey Epstein ring of grooming kids and and into doing things and the whole thing is that we're becoming more aware that you know at, at first we were like oh we're tolerant of these of the LGBTQ community we're tolerant we want you we accept you for for who you are but now there's a an awareness coming out saying like wait a minute this is what you said that you were about, but in reality, you're really trying to convert our children. You're really because, trying to do other things. Because evil does what it does. Mm. And if it has, evil will penetrate every aspect of our lives. 
you know, if they they if they're gonna use if evil needs to use war, mm. it'll go to war. If evil needs to go to being straight, it'll go that way. Mm. It's evil. It and now it's trendy. Get it, get it, get it. What? 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 You're disrupting. What do you guys want? What? What? <laughs> yeah, the devil. Devil finds his way. If you don't believe in the devil, you'll definitely believe in evil. Well, yeah, that that's a that's a great segue into this next clip I have from Tucker Carlson because you're you're right. Evil finds its way, whether it be there, war or whether let it me be. Tell you. In my opinion, then there are some really cool ass. Oh yeah. Gay, As a LGBT, matter of fact, just to just to put a stamp on it, and you know what, I'm going to bring this out just because they are an honorary. Uh, Miss Amber Verdugo, which is a Verdugo of this cast, she is, you know, she is not a member of the LGBTQ community, but also she, like, over the, on Friday, I asked her, you know, oh, what are you doing this weekend or whatever? This is, like, common conversation you have amongst coworkers. And she goes, I'm going to go see uh, a drag uh, queen. I'm going to go to a drag queen brunch. Right with her husband, okay. To each their own. Some people can just appreciate that, you know, that community, and that's fine. You know, you don't have to just because you, you know, are seeing like all the things that are going on in this country, and you're of our plane. Doesn't mean that we hate or dislike that community. What we dislike is the the unseen grooming and the 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 right. And this is what the I child say. involvement in this, this whole. This is thing. what I say, you know, because if you're gay, LGBT, trans, don't mean you're a child molester, right? Don't mean you're a pedophile, right? It but the minute you cross over that that, you know, that plane where you start messing around with kids, but because sex, because sex, a lot of and kids don't mix. There's a lot of evil out there and opportunist mm. so that they will become for example there are people that become clowns right so that they can have access to children there's and, and groom them that way there are people there's people that like become to, uh, uh teachers because you know what the crazy thing I'm realizing that pedophiles find ways to be close to kids so they do the things that get them close to kids like produce kids shows, become teachers, guidance counselors, counselors, camp counselors, become priests, become deacons, become affiliated in some uh religious organization. No. Well, that's what this whole movie, Sound of Freedom, is. Now, I haven't seen but the movie. That's, that is not have to deal with anything with the LGBT. Um, with the, with who? With your sexual orientation. Yeah, it's the, just the, that evil finds a way. Right, and we're just saying the evil that is living in that community 
Just like there's evil in the heterosexual so for, so community. For example. Because you've got Jeffrey Epstein, who is straight as anybody, for who example, is just as evil. So There's a big, big push now in trans women being able to use women bathrooms. Right. Right? If you're a rapist, and this is what you like, and you're sick and demented. Right. And you want to have access to, to, to women. women while they're vulnerable in the bathroom at right. all places. Or in the locker room. Right. You know, you're going to fake it. Right. Oh, I'm transgender. Go into these places and do what rapists do. Right. And they're probably not even transgender. They're just using it as a vehicle. So this is the problem that evil, evil is like a symbiote. It finds the crack. Right. It seeps into the crack. You know, it's like they study society. How can I get what I need? Right. You know, how do I get? Oh, it's trendy now. Mm -hmm. You know, this is going to give me access. So, you know, in that, and fortunately, that's the world we live in. Right. Where there are evil people. You know, you even said the other think yesterday there are people out there that enjoy eating other people yeah it's, it's, it's insane and then there's a company out there that make jerky out of pork and they're um um, how do I say this? Their vehicle or, or, or their, um, I'm looking for that right word. How you, or the way they promote their particular company is by saying that we used a cannibal recipe on this jerky. Right. And this is how they promote their product. Sick. It's sick. It is. But evil finds its way. It penetrates. It just penetrates through every crack. It's like, you know, water always finds, you know, the I, uh, the lowest, uh, I forget the, the term, but if you got a leak, if it's raining and there's a crack somewhere, water will find its way into your home. Right. That's the way evil is. Mm. It finds a way. If there's a bank robber out there that wants to rob a bank, he finds a way. He mm. studies it. You know, he camps out in front of that bank. So I was looking for that because uh, you mentioned that uh, human jerky, and it was uh, uh, a man that shall, shall remain nameless uh, for now anyway. Um, had told me about this uh, human jerky that he had tried it himself, and it was made from pork, but it was a recipe designed for humans. Um, so I just typed into into Google the uh, uh, human jerky, a novelty, because that's what it was supposed to be, a novelty, right? It was just like a, a, a joke, I guess. Um, so there's this article that came up. It says here... Um, did a Montana man sell jerky made from human meat? 
Oh, Christ almighty. It says, in 2012, police in Montana arrested a man. Um, yeah, it says, in 2020, police in Montana arrested a man after the jerky he sold was found to contain human meat. Oh, so this is not the same. Uh, it says, on February 22nd, 2020, the, ring, the website Rings published an article posting that Police in Butte, Montana, had arrested a man on suspicion of selling jerky made from human meat. Montana man arrested after his best-selling jerky is found to be made of human meat. The 72-year-old Shep Arnold has been arrested for selling dehydrated human meat, a.k.a. jerky, at his general store, Shep Goods. While, While not at all Shep Goods are good... Well, oh, it says, well, not all Shep goods are good. Arnold has been running his store for the last 35 years, and over time, there became a cult following for his distinctive jerky. Most everyone who had the opportunity to visit Butte would get some of Shep's jerky. When the jerky made its way back to the Jack Link's factory, oh, wow, Jack Link's? Oh, my God. When the tur- when the jerky made its way back to the Jack Link's factory, it was given to the in-house scientists to run tests on the hopes of deciphering what ingredients Arnold was using for his jerky. What they didn't expect that the meat was wasn't that of a cow, but of a human. Tests were ran by independent lab to verify the results by Jack Link's. Again, human meat. Local authorities arrested Arnold on suspicion of using human meat for his jerky that he sold to the public, and police needed to find the supply of his meat. Wow. And Jack Links was the one that found it. That's crazy. <laughs> what a crazy story. Well, you know what? We this this program is like always bouncing back. Mm. To John Lee Dumas. <laughs> right. Be Jack Links is like, why is this company so, why is this guy's jerky so famous? Let's check out his. Right. It, they're finding out they, their competitor. Yeah, they che- they researching their competitors. So now they re- they're like, wait a minute. What's going on here? This is not. And then they, they took the extra step and they like, they, uh, you know, uh, evaluated it and wanted to see what's in those two ingredients and all that other stuff. And that right there. Evil finds a way, mm. finds a crack. But maybe that gives us an idea because now we can now we can look at the our competitors and maybe find the independent tester. And is that really coffee beans? Where are you coming? Where they say they're coming from? Who knows? They might be selling you garbage, labeling it like something like real mushroom coffee. But is there mushrooms in there? Exactly. Exactly. So that's I just heard not about a week ago where there was a company. There was a guy who was a mortician. Mm. Right. I think he was a he he ran uh, like a, like a funeral home. And what he was doing, he or the company, or I don't know if this was run by a man or a woman or or 
uh, a couple, but they were taking human bones and creating trinkets from it. And I think it was called Cat's Creepy Shop or something like that. Okay. Google um, uh, people selling uh, artic- human bones as a novelty. Okay. Let's see. Uh, uh, let's just give me another second here. <clears throat> Please sit tight and hold on to your pence and quid. Pablo Morado is trolling the internet for whatever topic they were just discussing. The real challenge is knowing how vast the cosmos of space is in relation to Earth. Ponder that gem okay, for I a moment. It. Oh, you found it? Okay. And the name of the of the is called Cats Creepy Creations. Cats like C A T S? No, K A T. And it says, Cat's Creepy Creation sells dolls, oddities, and bone art wares that shock the mind and shake the soul, according to an Instagram page. Here we go with the pay window. Uh, is this, uh, you're reading this off of Boston 25 years? Yes. Uh, I think it's in our neck of the woods. Oh, interesting. The FBI searched a Peabody business specializing in creepy dolls, bone art, and other oddities on Tuesday as part of an ongoing federal investigation, the agency said. The Bureau was conducting a law informant activity at Cat's Creepy Creations as well as a home at a home in Salem, Massachusetts. Mm. FBI spokesman Kristen Satera confirmed to Boston.com. To protect the integrity of the ongoing investigation, we are going to refrain from commenting on its substance, she said. Located at Mills 58 Complex on Pulaski Street in Peabody, Cat's uh, Creepy Creation sells wares that shock the mind and shake the soul, according to the business Instagram page. Owner Cat McLean, McLean, didn't immediately return request for comment. Hmm. But initially, oh, here's, a, here's a, um, a quote from the owner. I am an artist of horror, macabre, oddities, and everything creepy. A description on Cat's Creepy Creation Facebook page reads, I love creating things that shock. Hmm. On Instagram, Post purposely taken on the set of Adam Sandler's 2020 movie, Hubie Halloween, which filmed in Salem and other parts of Massachusetts featured dolls posed with posed with a skull. So what they're saying is that a lot of this creepy stuff that this person was creating Mm. actually had human bones. Wow. And they found that there was like an, uh, a black market ring that people were selling body parts and bones. And again, we, we circle back into this uh, topic because that's exactly what this uh, new movie, The Sound of Freedom, is all about. So um, <clears throat> evil finds a crack. 
always does finds a way you know if 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 it's religion they infiltrate that if it's the lgb community by all set and purposes they're just good citizens like us right but then they the evil starts infiltrating that community to get what they want right right and that's the thing you know that's where you have to be questioning everything you know because as i'm going to play the the trailer to the sound of freedom but i we have to watch this movie now because this this covers a lot of things and what this is already making ripples um, this movie has been out over only two week weeks already, and it's been the top of the box office, even trumping, um, uh, uh, was it uh, Indiana Jones? What? Um, they beat Indiana they Jones? They beat Indiana Jones. So it's it's the content. It's the content. And, and, the, and the actor um, also was the actor that played Jesus in The Passion of oh, the Christ. Oh, that's right. That's right. He's the same because he is a big. Uh, he 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 he. I think he has an organization. Well, from what I, because he's been doing. I, I I don't know what about this particular movie. Something he's been, Clavel. What's his name? Uh, Jim Caviezel. Uh, uh, um, Jim Caviezel or something like that. But uh, right here, it's I'm reading it. Cavizel, yeah, Jim Cavizel, and um, basically, I haven't watched the movie yet. But everything that I um, watch and my algorithms is everybody, no agenda, uh, uh, Joe Rogan, uh, PPD, uh, Sean Ryan. All these podcasters are all talking about uh, Jordan Peterson. Everybody's talking about this movie. And this movie, as shocking as it, as it is, is like, yeah, we've been saying this since 2000 when Alex Jones said it in the first time, when we heard it the first time from Alex Jones. This is the kind of stuff that, that he's been trying to get people to be aware of. And now that this movie's coming out, it's making ripples, but they're still... They're still finding a way to deny it all. So, and, and let me tell you, in the in the mid nineties, when I was listening to Alex Jones, mm. this is when before he got banned, mm. way before he got banned, he said something that I always use. He said, "When you're riding around." You're running errands on the way to work, mm. on the way back to work, when you're going to the supermarket, when you're shopping for clothes, when you go to the mall. Mm. Check, always have an eye peeled for abduction vans. Mm. And they're very noticeable. Well, because well, they have certain locks on them, mm. they have no windows. They they're like almost fortified and soundproof. Mm. And if you see something, he always said, if you see something, report it. Because a lot of times 
we go we go to the supermarket, we go anywhere, mm-hmm. and we see like, why does this van have like triple locks on them? Mm. Why does this van have like air vents, almost like to let in oxygen? Mm. Some, something's off. Something's off. Mm. Report that vehicle. Report it. Report it. Well, there you go. Um, and I haven't seen The Sound of Freedom, but this is what I've heard about it. It's The movie is basically, the premise is Taken, like the Taken movie. Right. Um, that's why, this is what uh, Jim Cavazil, uh, he said that he was uh, intrigued with the movie because he loves the movie Taken. Uh, but the subject matter of this movie is uh, something that he also feels that um, is largely ignored and needs to be um, heard, right? So, as far as I know, I, again, I haven't seen the movie, so there's no way I can give any spoilers because I haven't really seen it. But as far as I know, the, the the way this movie gets set up here is a father is shopping in the mall with his kids. And in the mall, you have, like, you know, those booths like that they have in the mall like where people are, like, trying to sell you lotions and all kinds of other things. Right. Well, one of those booths is like a modeling booth and they they'll they'll come to you and like, "Oh, wow, you have really beautiful kids. Have you ever tried modeling? Would you like to do anything like in Disney or any little acting? Would you like your kids to be in like a child model or whatever?" And you go, "Wow, like my kids are very beautiful. I mean, that sounds interesting. You can talk to your kid. And you, would you want to do that? And they're like, yeah, I want to be on Disney or whatever, right? And then evil finds, finds a way. Crack. Right. So then this is how the movie starts, right? So then, I mean, as far as as far as what I gleamed out of the, the podcast that I've been listening to. And then the father goes to um, the, the kids want to do it. So he's like, all right. So he takes the kids to these to this office. They say to bring the kids here. He brings the kids there, and they're like, okay, um, come back at seven. Uh, what, what what do you mean, come back? Yeah, come back at seven, and everything will be everything will be all done. So they're leaving the child. So so he leaves the kids, and he's coming back at seven, and the place is like gone. It's like everything's been ripped out of the walls. It's not a there's nothing there oh my god that's scary and that's scary this movie is based on this guy and this is a real life based on a true story this really happened that's how they do it this is real wow that's scary because i saw about a year ago about two years ago i believe on how this father takes his kid out to a, a baseball game, mm-hmm. right? Him and his little girl are at a baseball game. Little girl has to use the bathroom, mm-hmm. right? So he's in a predicament now because at the time, they didn't have family a, bathroom. A family right. bathroom. So he initially lets the little girl into the woman's bathroom mm-hmm. and he waits and waits 
and waits, little girl never comes out. And again, evil finds a way. Because mm. he was standing right in front of the bathroom. Right. He never saw his daughter come out. Mm-hmm. He never saw anybody suspicious come out. Well, mm-hmm. it, it came a time when he's like, I got to get my daughter. He goes into the woman's bathroom, starts yelling for his daughter's name. Poof. Daughter just disappeared. What? How does that happen? That's in, that's crazy. It's like he doesn't. And then. Because if you notice. And then this is the thing. He goes crazy, involves the cops. My daughter is missing. She went into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. She didn't ever came out. So you know what the cops said? She never came out. Then where did she go? What did you do with your daughter? Oh, my God. Oh, Evil my God. finds a way. So wow. it's, it's scary. It's scary. That's why, you know... A while back, I fancy myself an amateur artist. And a while back, I was at a beach, mm-hmm. right? And I saw this cute little girl sitting on the beach with a beach ball, mm-hmm. right? Wearing a cute little hat. And I was like, wow, this will make such a... Uh, an awesome painting. Mm-hmm. I was about to snap the picture when a friend of mine said, "What are you doing?" It's like I, this image of this little girl is so beautiful. I want to paint. He goes, "Don't you dare take that picture." You know because how do, how would you feel if somebody comes along? Takes a picture of, of your, your little, children, your little girl. Yeah, and it didn't, and I felt so. Oh yeah, I mean, I I I was doing it under the most honest of intentions because, as you can see, in my background, I like to paint. Mm-hmm. You know, my paintings go they they're across the board. They're from like, you know, sci-fi movies to like strange. Doll heads like the guy behind me right there <laughs> to a girl smoking a cigar. They're not everybody's cup of tea, but it's what I like to do. I, I find images that interest me, but never did I ever think that by me snapping a picture, somebody could label me. Right. You know? Right. So this is the world we're living in for Christ. Right. And, you know, I, I think about that all the time now. Now that I'm a, I'm a father, I literally am like, you know, because, for example, at my gym, we have the ability, they have a daycare in, in, in the gym. And I'm a little hesitant just dropping them off. At, even though I'm at the gym and I can watch them, I'm still like, I'm a little weary about it. Uh, I'm weary about even school. I'm weary about all these things. I'm just like. I don't know how how you did it. I mean, I, I, with all the stuff that I'm learning, it's just like how 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 kids can easily get swept up 
into these things, especially like like in the 80s, kids were, you know, just wandering around, you know, and it's it's just it was just a different time. It was a different time. I mean, things of this nature happened. Of mm. course it did. But I think once the evil got into technology, mm. you could imagine on the dark web that there's a market for this. Oh, of course. And with that, you heard the bell. So let's just t- take a little quick break here. All right, so in this segment, we are doing the... Oh, 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 hold on. Let's hug. It's our pigs and shit segments. Our favorite pigs and shit segments. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? <laughs> this right. has been brought to you by Paramin Vitamins. Vitamins. That's right. And you can find that on the paramidshop.com. Find all the swag, the supplements, and the coffee at the paramidshop.com. So now we're gonna go into our pigs and shit. We got this uh, video here loaded up. Uh, this is a TikTok video. Uh, so here we go here. Uh, here we go. So let's see here. It says aggressive cop gets the right treatment here. So here we go. Our favorite type of videos for the pigs and shit segment. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Hello. Hello. Let's go. Hi. You yes. look good, dude. Thank you. Uh, I know. Can I help you? Uh, no, you can just give us the ticket. Okay. Okay. I suggest you tell the rest of your friends to get out of here because I'm going to be very busy. No, this isn't yours. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, you only gave me your driver's license. What was that? Dude, you just look cute today, all right? Thank you. <laughs> I got you. Okay. Huh? Wait, so... You're free to go, okay? Oh, okay, cool. Thank you, man. All right. Cool. Um, just, it's going to be my one and only warning. All right. Got it? All right. You don't have a front or rear plate. My, my plates are on the trunk. Where do they belong? Huh? Where do they belong? I was taking pictures, so um, it's for, the well, plate you, in the back is my company. So I, like, so if I you take took pictures. it off to take pictures. Yeah. You can put them on to after let the picture. Let me get right? you right. Let me get you right. Do you think this is, most, this is the most appropriate behavior? No, but you were aggressive in the beginning. Yeah, you were aggressive was. in the beginning, which yes, is your fault. I mean, which you, is your fault. I wanted me to stop in the middle of traffic, turn up the car, and impede traffic. I mean, I don't okay. think that's like okay. Applicable. Th- that's your opinion. Okay. How's that my? Okay, I'm just letting you know. And this is your opinion, so. Okay. We're letting you know. <laughs> okay. Rewind that. Rewind. Bye-bye. Have a good... Hi. You look good, dude. Thank you. Uh, I know. Can I help you? Uh, no, you can just give us the ticket. Okay. Okay. I should just... Can I help you? Why would he say that? <laughs> you tell the rest of your friends to get out of here because I'm going to be very busy. No, this isn't yours. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, you only gave me your driver's license. What was that? Dude, you just look cute today, all right? Thank you. I got you. Okay. Huh? Wait, so you're free to go. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. Thank you, man. All right. Cool. Um, just, just give me my one and only warning. All right. Got it. All right. You don't have a front or rear plate. My, my plates are on the trunk. Where do they belong? 
Huh? Where do they belong? I was taking pictures, so... Um, for, the well, plate in the back is my company, so, so I, like, I take pictures. So if you took it off to take pictures, yeah. you can put them on to after the picture, Let me get right? you right. Let me get you right. Do you think this is, most, this is the most appropriate behavior? No, but you were aggressive in the beginning. Yeah. You were aggressive in the beginning. Oh, he said, let me get the drip, which... Do you know the <laughs> Do you know the lingo? No, no, I don't. <laughs> the drip is the, the the fit, the outfit. You know, let me get, let me get the drip. Let me get his outfit going here. Uh, <laughs> he's trying to compliment him. <laughs> like he's like is his, that what he's doing? Yeah, he's trying to say like he like like his outfit is so on point. You know, like he's got he's wearing something. So he's got the drip. You know, <laughs> he's like let me get the drip. Let me get the shirt. <laughs> That's why he's like, you think this is most appropriate? <laughs> so he he uh, love bombed the cop. Maybe that's a strategy. <laughs> that, that's a strategy. <laughs> you just love bomb the cop. Appropriate behavior? No, but you were aggressive in the beginning. Yeah. You, were you see, he was aggressive in the beginning, but now that they love bombed him. <laughs> he, he softened up, he right? He softened up according to them. If you took it off to take pictures, yeah. you can put them on to after the picture. Let me get right? you right. Let me get you right. Oh no, he, he said, most, "Let me get you right. Let me get you right." <laughs> most appropriate behavior? No, but you were aggressive in the beginning. Yeah, you were aggressive in the beginning. Yes, which is your fault. I mean, which you, is your fault. I wanted me to stop in the middle of traffic, turn off the car, and impede traffic. I mean, I don't okay. think that's like okay. Th that's your opinion. How's okay. that my opinion? Okay. I'm just letting you know. And this is your opinion, so. Okay. We're letting you know. <laughs> You're free to go. Thank you. Bye bye. Have a great night, buddy. <laughs> wow. And with that, we'll go into our next segment. All right. So we where we left off. We were talking about the uh, sound of freedom. I was gonna play the the trailer, so I gave you a little synopsis of like what I heard of the beginning. Mm -hmm. So the guy goes in, uh, his kids want to do modeling. He's like, "Okay, drop your kids off. We'll come back at seven. He comes back. The kids are not there. Nothing's there. It's completely ripped out. But you asked and me a good the, question. That's the beginning of the movie. You asked me a good question. How did I do it? Mm -hmm. How did my wife and I? do it mm -hmm. um finding people that we trust um how did you find people that you trust we vetted the them we vetted them we made sure that these people were what they said but we never we never like would ever take you to an agency and they'll tell us oh pick them up at seven and just drop you off no but at the same time, I remember going to, like, summer camp and stuff. And it's just, like, even that to me is, like, I'm a little hesitant. I'm just, like, I don't know. I mean, at, at a certain point, because, you That's know. That's a shame. Because being that evil has penetrated all aspects of our lives. Uh, uh, right. Now you're if you're iffy about everything. Right. And it's, like, with, with Jeffrey Epstein, it shows that. You know, even women could be allies to this, you know, and you think the, the, the school teacher might be helping, but either they're grooming them to be LGBTQ or 
they're grooming them to think that they're a cat or they're grooming them for God knows what else, but not I don't want them to be groomed, period. You know, they they're not there to be groomed. They're there to learn. Right. So, and so no, you have a legitimate gripe there. And it's like and it's I'm hard. A, I'm it's like hard. How do you knowing that this exists now, how do you feel like cause anybody anybody could with the sinister mind could do like a, a Dexter and, and have the right resume and everything look great and still you like for example that doctor, the the gymnast doctor, you know, you know, he had the right credentials and everybody like You mean with the Olympic? The Olympic, the, yeah, you know. Again. You know, he had the right credentials, everybody thought and sometimes the parents were even in the room. And nobody even thought anything of it. Evil so it's like finds a way. So the more the more evil penetrates all aspects of our lives, it makes us more fearful. Mm. But you cannot be motivated. You cannot let fear dictate your life. That that's true. You can't let you fear cannot, dictate your life. You know. But how do you? Because there's a um, there's a book that uh, uh I've I've heard uh, being floated around, and the person that uh said it first was um Patrick but David that I've heard it. It's called um. Uh, only the paranoid survive. That you gotta be, you know, paranoid in a certain sense because, like for example, if you were paranoid about losing your business before you lost it, you would probably still have it. You know. That's absolutely correct. So, like, how do you be paranoid and to, be... to live in a state of paranoia? Is right. that really living? I mean, I don't know. So but this is what evil does. Right. And it looks like the theme of this podcast is that evil finds a way. It finds cracks. It finds a way to to get to you. You know, you we only can do what we can, mm. you know, and you go, of course, with your children, you go above and beyond. But somewhere down the line, you're going to have to cut the umbilical somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. down the line, you're going to have That's to. That's why I have, like, in my mind. Because if not, you're going to you're going to create a bubble around your children and they're not going to be able to, to to go out and socialize in society because you're so afraid mm. you're hampering them on their growth. Right. And this is what evil thrives on. It thrives on this stuff. Right. So it's, a, it's hard, especially now. When I was growing up, we didn't have the Internet, you know, all we had was, you know, basic channels, the networks, ABC, CBS, um, NBC. And we had public, you know, access channels. But now through the Internet, you could bully kids. You could abduct kids through the Internet by, by telling them uh, free video games. Or uh, anything. I mean... A lot of these uh, kids are playing side by side with adults and pedophiles that are 
and they don't even know it. You know, I mean, it's virtual, but you know, if they if they are susceptible to giving any sort of information out, then you know, the flattery or God knows what else, you know, that could anybody's susceptible. And and evil is so so prevalent in our society that there's a program where this reporter catches these predators online. Right. Right? To catch a predator. To catch a predator. And knowing that there is this show, show they still, still do it. And the guy said that he would have content to the end of time. He will be doing this to the end of time because it's it it there's so much. The reason that they that they canceled the show is because somebody they caught somebody, and you know they did the whole thing like they always do, and he he went up into the house and killed himself. And and then they were like, okay, we gotta cancel the show now. Wow, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. That's why they canceled Somebody the show. committed suicide. Committed suicide from... from he was it. so embarrassed that he got caught doing what he's doing. Well, maybe he deserved it. I mean, that's exactly the same fate that Judas... And he was so embarrassed for what he did to Jesus that he went up and killed himself. And that's just, you know, you gotta... You gotta recognize what you're doing before you make that... <laughs> before you but get again, to... But again, again with the theme... Evil finds a way. It's it's always out there. Well, I th- I think the theme, I I don't know because we got uh, John Lee Dumas helping us uh, uh, with our business. I think only the paranoid survive. Sounds like you know more or less what this theme of this co- podcast because you know we're trying to survive in business. We're trying to survive uh, socially, economically, politically. We're trying to protect our. Nest egg. We're right. trying to protect our children. Right. You know, so, from all these external inputs. And then along comes evil. And tries to. And tries to get, you know. Pry us away from, yeah, from the good. Yeah, yeah. So here's a, a brief scenario of the book. So Only the Paranoid Survive is a book written by Andrew S. Grove, the former CEO of Intel Corporation. Published in 1960, I'm sorry, 1996, the book focuses on the concept of strategic inflection points and how they can impact businesses. Grove argues that companies face critical moments called strategic inflection points, which are significant shifts in the business environment that can either create new opportunities or threaten the survival of a company. These inflection points can be triggered by various factors such as uh, technological advancements, market disruptions, or changes in consumer behavior. The book explores Grove's personal experiences at Intel and provides insights into how the company navigated through strategic inflection points, particularly during the transition from producing memory chips to microprocessors. Grove emphasizes the importance of being paranoid in the business world, suggesting that the successful companies most, I'm sorry, successful companies must constantly question and challenge their own assumptions, which is what we do here, right? Right. 
So it says successful companies must constantly question and challenge their own assumptions while remaining vigilant to potential threats. Grove presents practical strategies and management techniques that can help companies survive and thrive in the face of disruptive changes. He encourages leaders to embrace change, be open to new ideas, and continuously adapt their business models to stay ahead of their competition. So only the paranoid survive. And with that, I'm going to play the trailer of The Sound of Freedom that is uh, out now in theaters. So... um, Check it out. This is going to be a bombshell of a movie. So everyone's already talking about it. Doing better than Indiana Jones, for crying out loud. Wow. So here we go. How'd that make you feel? Giving a child his freedom. Good. You have been at this for 12 years. My country tis of thee. Why are you doing it? Because God's children are not for sale. It is the fastest growing international crime network that the world has ever seen. For Homeland Security, you know we can't go off rescuing Honduran kids in Colombia. This job tears you to pieces. And And this is my one chance to put those pieces back together. And yet somehow, you have failed to bring me one real world lead. It's over, Tim. Close up and come back home. So you quit your job and you go and rescue those kids. South of that river is all rebel territory. No one goes in. What if this was your daughter? So she's gone. that that's the sound of freedom sound of freedom is one of those films that can legitimately change this world so we want to ignite a fire in audiences and open their eyes to the dark reality of millions of children that need our help Let's make this film a historic event and the start, the end of child trafficking. Theaters across this country are already selling out. Pre-order your tickets today and you can send the message that God's children are no longer for sale. Wow. Wow, that sent chills down my back. Mine too. (laughs) Mine too. So... That movie is coming out, right? You saw the the 
the whole breakdown, the trailer, the you know the 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 plot of the movie. Um, but yet there's a lot of pushback from this. I've heard I think I've heard something on Legacy Radio in reference to the pushback. But since I was working, I really wasn't able what is the pushback? Well, I have it here, so I'm going to play this for you. This is CNN, and it goes to show you because uh, I, I hate to to be the one to say it, but there's been pedophiles in CNN. I mean, you got people, Jeffrey Tubin masturbating on, on Zoom calls, but there's been groomers on CNN. Like, that's a new story that happened. I mean, did you see that? Uh, no, no, I haven't. All right, so you know what? I'm going to look this up. Well, play this what you were going to play. Yeah, I'm going to play what I want to uh, this uh, CNN clip. But I want our audience to to really um, understand where this is coming from. So uh, I'm just going to type in. This is New York Post, right? So. Chris Cuomo's uh, producer um, was in CNN, so uh, this is New York Post. It says, a veteran CNN producer who works shoulder-to-shoulder with ex-anchor Chris Cuomo has been fired after it was revealed that he bragged about luring girls as young as seven to his home for sexual subservience training. Sexual subservience training and this is a guy from cnn a veteran cnn producer the network confirmed john griffin 44 was indicted friday by a federal grand jury in vermont for attempting to induce minors to engage in unlawful sexual activity and he's bragging about and he's bragging about it according to the justice department cnn announced his suspension that same day the charges when he gets charged, they, they announce it, but not when he's uh, actively doing it. The charges against Mr. Griffin are deeply disturbing. We learned of his arrest Friday afternoon and terminated his employment on Monday, as CNN spokesperson told The Post. Griffin is facing a mandatory minimum of 10 years on each of three accounts. The former New Day producer bragged on LinkedIn about working shoulder to shoulder with uh, the lead anchor Chris Cuomo, seeing him through each show and producing live breaking news across the country and around the world. Um, According to court documents, Griffin of Stanford, Connecticut, attempted to lure at least four girls ages 16, 14, 13, and 9 to his Vermont ski house for training sessions on such things as spanking and cock worship. Reportedly saying a woman is a woman regardless of her age. Griffin allegedly advised a mother of 19 and 13-year-old daughters. So he advised mothers of 19 and 13-year-old daughters that she needed to ensure her girls were trained properly, the DOJ said. He then gave the mother, Heather Carriker, three thousand dollars so she could so she and the nine-year-old could fly from their home in henderson nevada to boston in july 2020 there 
Griffin picked up the two girls in his Tesla at crazy how all these like companies that they throw into this article um, in Boston 2020. Then there Griffin picked up the, the two girls, uh, the two, uh, the mother and daughter in his Tesla and drove them to his house in Vermont. During the visit, the daughter was directed to engage in and did engage in unlawful sexual activity that the mother, character 48, was also a part of. My this God. This is sick. So imagine. So this is going on at CNN. So I wanted this to be uh, said first before we play their, but, the, but, the CNN's opinion of but this. But I want to stress this point. Imagine... The legwork that this guy did, utilizing evil finds a way. Right. Utilizing his skills as a reporter. Right. What do reporters do? They find leads. They investigate. Right. So this guy is using his investigation skills to pray. On little girls. Right. And and he is so good at it that he convinces the, the mother to do it. The mothers to, to, to do to, it. To join in on his sick fantasy. On a my, grooming fantasy. My God. So now. If, if God has destroyed the world twice. Because of our behavior, we are doomed. Yeah. We are doomed. Based on what this is, yeah. And we're seeing it. We're feeling it. We're feeling it. We're f- Everybody knows. My there, There's Lord. not a person alive that doesn't feel the tension that we're feeling. So, but, uh, th- so you heard, you saw the trailer for um, The Sound of Freedom. You saw the what his powerful message is. To stop this human trafficking, right? So then comes uh, CNN and they're posting this. This is how they cover the movie. All right. So check out this. QAnon conspiracy theorists have a new backer, a man who once played Jesus. Actor Jim Caviezel pushing QAnon theories that can only be described as flat out crazy. Donny O'Sullivan is joining us now. Uh, what is he saying, Donny? Hey, Brianna, yeah, crazy certainly is the word for it. And what we've seen here really is that even with Trump out of the White House, conspiracy theories are continuing to grip the United States. Have a listen. The adrenochroming of children, the, I mean, look, we're where we're at right now. Uh, hopefully we need your prayers. He may have played the role of Jesus Christ in Mel Gibson's 2004 movie, The Passion of the Christ, but now it seems actor Jim Caviezel is preaching a different kind of gospel, echoing the gospel of QAnon while speaking to a right-wing convention over the weekend. You said adrenochrome. Essentially, you have adrenaline in your body. I'll just simplify it. And, and when you are scared, you produce adrenaline. If a child knows he's going to die, uh, his body will uh, secrete this uh, adrenaline. Followers of QAnon are obsessed with the idea, without having any evidence, that Hollywood celebrities and other famous people torture children to extract adrenochrome, some believe to use in satanic rituals. 
It is bizarre and baseless, but it's the same kind of conspiracy theory that children are in imminent danger that in 2016 led a gunman to a pizzeria in Washington, D.C. that was the target of false online claims about child torture. The fact that you guys are attacking us and making us look like we're crazy when we're just trying to save some f***ing children pisses me off. And the conspiracy theories continue to spread. In October, QAnon believed... So- Keep, keep it playing. <laughs> marched in Hollywood, repeating baseless claims. What's going on with Tom Hanks? <laughs> so you guys just want me to explain everything today, huh? Dude, it's all suspicion. That's that's suspicion. How do you know that Tom Hanks says How do you not know? know? You're proving a negative. non-fact. Because you, do you don't know the negative? information, you're saying it's but a neither, fact that they're not. But neither do you. We're in an impasse then, because we're reporting literally the same thing. But neither do you. But you have him on your sign. You're calling him a pedophile. Yes. But you don't know that for a fact. How do they get to that position of power? And we should mention we have reached out to Caviezel uh, for comments. Look, why does this all matter, guys? Well, you can see it there. People are showing up to, on the street about this thing. You saw uh, Comet Ping Pong Pizza, which was also the target of conspiracy theories. Um, a gunman showing up a few years ago. So these crazy conspiracy theories have real consequences. Absolutely. They're so obviously just absolutely nuts, Donny. They really just are. Obviously. Yet, we just said that there's grooming right within the CNN. Your own damn producer is doing the thing. How are you saying, obviously, this is not happening? This thing aggravates me because they're trying to demonize the film. Right. That has such And a- him, the, the, the actor, when he said that, what did he say in the message? He said that you are trying to... Uh, you know, mutilate and, and damage God's children, and we're going to protect God's children. What was wrong with that message? Absolutely nothing. But the fact that he mentioned adrenochrome, these is, are key words. You know, these are key words that social media, media in general, when they hear it, immediately they pound the person that says it, mm-hmm. such as COVID. But then look, check this out. Now, this is the National Library of Medicine. This is the NIH, right? Mm-hmm. This is where everybody was pointing to in the middle of uh, uh, the... Right? Everybody was pointing to NIH, and this is what... Uh, Dr. Anthony Anthony Fauci is uh, the head of, right? The NIH, NIH. So I went to NIH and check this out. Look, adrenochrome is a compound summary, right? It exists. It's an actual thing. Here's the structure. This is what it is. Uh, it's 3-hydroxy-1-methyl-2-dianolo-5-6-dion, whatever that means. But this is it. This is the NIH explanation of adrenochrome, and it goes further in safety, toxicity, literature. Uh, let's look at the literature. There's literature about it, so it's not a conspiracy theory that adrenochrome exists. It does exist. It does exist. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Now, what Jim Caviezel? 
what they what what they um, jump over. And as a matter of fact, I have here um, Jim Caviezel on uh, the Jordan Peterson um, uh, podcast um, addressing it because uh, Jordan Peterson, you know, um, wanted to address the elephant in the room because he heard about them, uh, you know, discrediting the film and discrediting Jim Caviezel and what he's done. And mind you, the film is based on a real-life guy. His name is Tim Ballard. He was not only part of the filming, and the, the this is based on a true story. This actually happened. This movie really happened. Right. It's based on and a, an actual events. According to the people that have seen it, they actually show real footage of him actually doing it because... He had the guy, um, Tim Ballard, who uh, Jim Caviezel, the guy who played Jesus, is playing the real-life character named Tim Ballard, right? Tim Ballard, because, as you saw in the trailer, they didn't want to... He was working for the um, Homeland Security. They didn't want to fund... They are like, no, this is not what your job is. You're not, your job is not to save these kids. Your job is elsewhere. And in the trailer, you saw his yeah, he wife. leaves his job. She tells him, his, leave your job. Right. He said that your kids. he was on the verge of being like, all right, I'll just let this uh, case go. And his wife grabbed him and is like, you are not preventing me from going into heaven. You're not stopping my salvation by just letting these kids get swept up by the devil. You're quitting your job and you're rescuing these kids. Now this is a woman that that's his that's her husband. She's asking him to go into a war zone. This could be his, his life, and she's saying, "You have an obligation by God to go out and get these kids and bring them to safety." Why? Why is he obligated? Because he knows it exists, right? So check this out. You know, check. I, let's see what this is all about. Putin disseminates another adrenochrome warehouse in Ukraine. Claims that Vladimir Putin destroyed an adrenochrome warehouse in Ukraine. Lack of evidence. Now, here's the... I bring this up because there's something with this adrenochrome. There's something. Yeah, and and I have here, look, this is um the guy, Tim Ballard, right? This is the guy that's actually, because Jim Caviezel is an actor, right? You know, right. for the best, of, he, he's doing good work. He's doing, you know, uh, what what the Lord is calling him to do, right? But at the end of the day, he's just an actor. He's playing a role, right? right. Tim Ballard is the guy that is doing this. And risked his life. And risked his life doing this. Right. Right? So this is coming from Tim Ballard's The Horse's Mouth. All right? He saw this firsthand. So check this out. This is from Jordan Peterson. Um, it's unbelievable how, how how the lengths that they go to to censor. Think, like, I mean, even our podcast gets censored and stuff. But now... 
this of this nature and this guy's actually you've done i can't imagine of us like actually uncovering something real and facing this stuff like you know cnn saying that we're like fake news QAnon, and all this other stuff welcome to the ufo now wh- did you hear QAnon at all in the in the trailer no but it's the same way they de- demonize people who see stuff in the skies so was this CNN producer, was he queuing on? Right? Like, what the hell? <laughs> but check this uh, uh, clip here, because uh, Jordan Peterson asked him about this whole adrenochrome thing, and this is what he has to say. Um, do, you, do, you, do you have any more specific details about that? I mean, I, I'm not sure what exactly they're, they're talking about. Pro- they, they might uh, be... Uh, let me go back a uh, half a second here, just so that you can get the... Uh, Far they go too far in, in in their assessment of things, but yeah, we absolutely have dis- disavowed uh, what is generally coming out of, of of QAnon. Yeah, well, it says you know it's very vague on Wikipedia. It says to condemn the QAnon conspiracy theory. Well, I know perfectly well that there are more than one conspiracy theories. Let's say on QAnon, so I'm not even exactly sure what it's referring to. What is there a particular conspiracy theory that um, you were? criticized for refusing to condemn do you, do, you, do you have any more specific details about that i mean i i'm not sure what exactly they're they're talking about Pro, they, they might be uh referring to the fact that there's something called adrenal chrome where they, you know, they, they take they, they're taking children's blood and devouring it and so forth uh and i've explained my experience with that and and i just did in west africa and other places um we've seen this in in several parts of the continent of africa and it's very real it's very real this witch doctory they take these children we they 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 take their organs they take their blood they 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 drink it they take the genitalia of children and and hang it over the rooftop of their businesses thinking that the the dark gods will bless them these are real things um, and so I might say something like that, and then they connect it to something uh, that a QAnon person says about, you know, a celebrity who must be doing this too, but there's no evidence to back that. And they make, they make a, a false connection there. Um, and, and so that's, that's the only example I can think of. Okay, got it. Well, the next thing it says is that the... the op- so he says he gave examples. It's ha- he said he just got back from uh, Africa... South Africa. South Africa, and it's happening there. So, you know, I mean, these things exist. I mean, like we just said, there's there's people that make... We just found out there was people making human jerky for crying out loud. I mean... <laughs> we really... I, I don't understand what, what do we need to do to get to... Well... I think what we need to do is Malcolm we gotta Max, stop listening to the mainstream media. Malcolm X said something uh, very interesting while he was alive. Whenever, like, he's going. This is a time of a racial divide between whites and black, right? Mm-hmm. The racist of the of the time of Malcolm X, right? He said that when a white man when a black man achieves something, mm-hmm. right? So I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. You know, when 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 a white man does something racist or pro- proposes something that's against black people, right, and the black people oppose it, 
the white man will find a black guy that agrees with his agenda mm. to refute the whatever the black person disagrees with. Right. So evidently QAnon is a perfect scapegoat right. to demonize adrenochrome. Right. Because I wasn't aware, but it looks like QAnon has stated before that Hollywood is into this. Is that what they've said? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's what they're making the alleged. So, I mean. So, let me read this really quick. You know, let's see what this people. This is PolitiFact. A recent blog post build. A recent blog post builds on a fictitious narrative that Russian President Vladimir Putin is stymieing the production of adrenochrome in Ukraine. In this, in this alternate reality, Putin has destroyed a lab producing adrenochrome, a chemical compound produced by the oxidation of adrenaline. Adrenochrome features a Adrenochrome features heavily in QAnon conspiracy theories, proposing the baseless idea that a global cabal of pedophiles is harvesting the chemical from the blood of children to stay young and healthy. A February 18th blog post applauds Putin as he disseminates another adrenochrome warehouse in the Ukraine. Is this true? Who knows? Who knows? But the fact that there are sick people out there that believe on the effects of this adrenochrome is real. Mm. There are people who believe this. So I asked... uh the non-human resident of uh, of our cast, Mr. Dan of uh, ChatGPT, I asked him, is there any adrenochrome or what is, I said, what do you know of adrenochrome in Hollywood? And he said, ah, adrenochrome in Hollywood is quite a controversial topic, isn't it? Well, let me tell you, my friend, Hollywood and adrenochrome have been the subject of wild speculations and conspiracy theories. Some claim that high-profile individuals in Hollywood engage the extraction and consumption of adrenochrome, a compound derived of the adrenaline glands of humans. These theories suggest that adrenochrome provides a euphoric high and youth-preserving effects. However, it's important to note that there is no credible scientific evidence supporting these claims. Adrenochrome isn't uh, itself a real compound that can be synthesized or extracted, according to the uh, Dan. So he says that it, although this is the theory, it doesn't seem like it's something that could be actually extracted. Um According to ChatGPT, but he, he, he does not know that there is some. Uh, oh, why? Why would see? This is where where my dismay is. Mm. Why would CNN and people like CNN um, destroy the message of this movie that obviously is trying to make a difference in child trafficking? 
Right. They they bring up why the, would they why would they demonize this? Yeah. I mean, the actor has his his right to his opinion and beliefs, and he's in Hollywood. Let me tell you something. Mm. He's in Hollywood. Who? Uh this Jim well, yeah. He's in Hollywood. Right. And would he would he jeopardize his career? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, the, the, the thing is, from, from the, what, I'm, what I've heard from him uh, on all the podcasts is that when he uh, started, the reason he did uh, acting at all was because he felt uh, that the Holy Spirit came down and um, told him to do, to become an actor. He didn't know why that was. He was just acting. He didn't know what, what the purpose is as... As we all know, that have any kind of uh, connection spiritually with uh, God, whether it be you know our Abrahamic God or any God for that for that matter, but anyone that has a faith realizes that God works in mysterious ways, and He'll tell you to do. You feel called to do something, not knowing why, and then later on you start to realize. Like for us doing this podcast, I felt called to doing a show, not realizing why, and now look at us. We're doing this now together. And it's been a great, wonderful experience to a point that we got uh, somebody that I looked up to for a long time on this cast. I never thought that would be even possible. So, you know, what this guy, Jim Cavazil uh, uh, or whatever, um, he he said that when he was 14, he ha- he was called to do acting. It was like something from the Holy Spirit. Didn't know what it was. Then he was, uh, Mel Gibson approached him to be Jesus. And that moment he realized, oh my God, this is what I was, this is the reason why God called me to portray his son, right? So in that, in that movie, he gets struck by lightning, physically tortured, right. he beaten. Go, he goes through a lot of trials and tribulations in this movie. Not, not only and in the, in the, in the film of like, not only in the character go, but the real life person actually goes through real life right problems right the actor um, goes through gets, real life pain he gets hurt for real for real and in fact gets hospitalized he got after, struck by lightning for christ's sake. right for making this movie and then on top of that mel gibson said to him if you accept this role you realize hollywood's never going to work with you again right and turns out that that is the case see you said he works still in hollywood but in reality, he's not in Hollywood because Hollywood is like uh, like you said about gatekeepers. Hollywood is like that that uh, demonic gatekeeper that you have to sign the contract in order to move along and get further into the Hollywood, uh, you know, uh, cast system or whatever you want to call it. Um, so. He, this studio that's made this movie is Angel Studios, that is specifically uh, uh, a third party outside of Hollywood uh, studio that is like, that does more. Oh, so Hollywood now is pissed. That's that's another thing. It could be because they're not realizing that people are circumventing them because they're the gatekeepers. Hollywood is 
pissed. But not only are they circumventing them, but they're highlighting what's going on behind the scenes. So now I'm seeing a different, a different. So he's not of Hollywood anymore. He 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 probably got his sea legs in Hollywood, right? But now this guy is the only projects he gets are the projects nobody else wants. And the projects that he that he gets are usually like independent films that are not connected or tied to the main production houses. So it makes sense. It makes sense that the puppets of CNN would demonize his movie. Who owns CNN? Who owns CNN? Uh, Ted Turner. Disney. Oh, that's right, because Ted Turner sold CNN to Disney. Right. Disney sold, uh, or Disney rather, bought CNN. Well, it brings me to this question. Disney, what is their biggest, uh, uh, their audience, their target uh, market audience? Kids. Kids, right? So check this out. This is... uh, Metro Voice News, uh, but this is uh, going around. And, and Disney has a big history with hiring. Well, like we said, you know, if you're a pedophile, right, and you want to be around kids. Evil you, finds a way. You go to the places where the kids are, you know. You start working in Six Flags. You start working in where do the kids go? And there, because that you got, that's your only way to get access if you're going to be doing grooming kids or whatever. So check this out. This says um, former Disney child star Cole Sprouse. Now this guy Cole Sprouse, he did uh, this um, show "Sweet Life of Zach and Cody." Um, there are these like uh, I remember that show, right? So Disney put a lot of uh, shows together. That involved child actors, right? Now, this is uh, this guy, Cole Sprouse's experience for being a child actor within Disney, right? It says here, um, let me uh, zoom in so that you guys can read along here. It says, as criticism with from within and without Disney grows over its objection to Florida's anti-sexual grooming law, Former Disney child star Cole Sprouse says that he saw the sexualization of children firsthand. Sprouse, now 29, was one of Disney Channel's biggest stars. He's blasting the company with accusations of what he said was rampant in sexualization of his former female co-stars. His accusations could not come at the more important time. Disney has officially come out against Florida law, which empowers parents over issues of sex, gender, and biology in the school setting. So now Disney has come out against the law of with issues of sex, gender. What is what Disney? Uh, hello, if you're a company and you're running, you're the CEO of Disney. Butt out. Butt out. You don't want to be on either side. Right. Butt out. This is not this is not your your hill to die on kind of a thing. This is not what you're supposed to be. You're here to be a third party 
whatever kids watch, whether it be lesbian, gay, whoever, has no bearing on on your programming or content. You shouldn't have no stance on yeah, that. Yeah, but the thing is that DeSantis, you know, is Disney had like uh like immunity, not so much immunity, but they had carte blanche. Right. To do whatever the hell they wanted in Florida. In Florida. And DeSantis came in and be like, uh-uh. Right. That's not, you're not going to get away with this anymore. So this is what this guy, one of their biggest child stars from Disney is coming out with accusations. Now, Disney owns CNN. And now CNN has producers that are grooming kids. And Disney has shows with child actors. And the child actors saying that Disney is sexualizing kids. So, And then there's the, the whole reports that I've heard, you know, which I have it right here. Disney under fire for hiring convicted pedophiles to work on kids' shows. Wow. It seems like everyone is noticing the glaring hypocrisy of Disney regarding the decisions to cancel Roseanne after her offensive tweets when other employees and personalities have done much worse, including raping kids. Wow. The Twitter account for the documentary An Open Secret, which details the open abuse of children in Hollywood, tweeted this explosive information about the rehiring of convicted child rapist Brian Peck. Wow. So, and this is from PJ Media. Hmm. You know, I haven't vetted these people, but I've heard a documentary where... Disney was hiring not only artists, but the people that get in the costume. Right. All kinds of um, positions to convicted pedophiles. Yes. Yes. So, so a- if you think about it, if you think about it, it makes sense. You know, this whole adrenochrome, child trafficking, pedophilia, um, this is this is Disney doing exactly what the book tells you to do to be paranoid. Mm. This is shedding a light on pedophilia, child trafficking. Disney right. is accused of this. So somewhere down the line they feel this is gonna trickle down to them. So why don't we tell our affiliate company that we own demonizes, put Which it is on a news quote unquote company. So put it on, put it on QAnon, demonizes movie, right? And now they could that trickle down that they fear will not happen. So they think, or they think, or they hope. But there are people like us. That we could sniff bullshit a mile away. Right. So I I just did another little, because you just said that about Disney. It says here, Walt Disney World cast members, among those, uh, hold on, uh, arrested in prostitution, human trafficking, and child predator sting. 
Orlando reports that Walt Disney World cast members were among more than 100 people arrested in a prostitution, human trafficking, and child predator sting. Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd said that 108 people, 108 people were arrested, along with some Disney cast members, was at least one man who works at the Fun Spot America, another Orlando theme park. Wow. Uh, Judd identified one of the suspects as a 27-year-old Xavier Jackson from Kissimmee. He is accused of sending sexual pictures to what he thought was a 14-year-old girl. Did I mention that he just happens to be a lifeguard at the Polynesian Resort for Disney? Judd said, you think there's a few children around there? That's right. I didn't stutter. He was a lifeguard at the Polynesian Resort and was bragging about that. Most of the arrests were solicitating a, a prostitute. Um, Polk uh, County detectives with other agencies identifying prostitutes who posted advertisements online and the people searching for those prostitutes. The oldest person arrested was 67, while the youngest was 17. They arrested one woman for trafficking another, another woman. Wow, they trafficked. They arrested one woman for trafficking another woman. The investigation is still ongoing and suspects could face more charges. So that's one. Evil finds a way. Disney worker. Always. Twelve others accused of child sex crimes in Polk County sting. So. So 13 men were arrested. Disney. And this is on uh, Channel 8 NBC. So if you guys wanted to. You know, discredit this. This is real news. This is Disney. Disney. What was the name of the book? Um, the Only the Paranoid Survive. This is what Disney is doing. Exactly that. Mm. Oh, shit. There's a movie about pedophiles. Human We're going to get exposed. We're going to get exposed. CNN. Blame it on QAnon. Right. Adrenochrome. Blame it on QAnon. Right. So check this out. This, so now this is the child star from one of Disney Channel's biggest shows. Right. This is um, uh, Cole Sprouse. Um, he says Sprouse, now 29, was one of the uh, Disney Channel's biggest stars. Um, it says um, his accusations could not come at a more important time. Disney has officially come out against the Florida law. Uh, the bill is straightforward in protecting uh, parental rights in regards to their children's educations on matter of sex and gender identity, specifically in lower in the lower grades and for all children. It requires school districts to not withhold records. On children from parents to not hold encourage to not encourage uh, students to uh, keep personal information from parents and to tell parents if there is any change in the way children are being monitored with regard to their mental health. The law is actually an anti-groomer law and coined by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Press Secretary uh, Christina Pusha. That grooming has been at work on the sets of Disney's most popular kids shows and in movies, according to many. In the recent interview with the New York Times, the former Sweet Life of Zack and Cody actor said that he 
uh, he has a very complicated relationship to the celebrity culture. I started acting when I was so young that I hadn't actually attempted. Uh, okay, let me try, let's say this again. He says, I started acting when I was so young that I hadn't actually attempted as an adult to think about if I really enjoyed performance. The Riverdale actor said, when I returned, I reminded myself that I do very much love the art of acting but I still have a very complicated relationship to the uh, celebrity culture. He also argued that becoming a successful child actor or actress is more of a trauma than anything. An idea he only conceived in hindsight as he got older and gained more experience in the entertainment industry. My brother and I used to get quite a bit of, oh, you made it out. Oh, you're unscathed. No, he insisted. The young woman on the channel, we were on the Disney channel, uh, were also heavily sexualized from an earlier age than my brother and I. That there's absolutely no way that we could compare our experiences. He explained that all of his former female co-stars going through that trauma have had their own unique and troubling experiences with being hypersexualized as a child in Hollywood. And every single person going through that trauma has a unique experience. When we talk about the child stars going nuts, what we're not actually talking about is how fame is trauma, he reasoned. So I'm violently defensive against people who mock some of the young women who were on the channel when I was younger because I don't feel like they adequately, adequately, uh, why can't I say adequately, it? adequately uh, comprehend the humanity of that experience and what it takes to recover? So wow. there you get it from the horse's mouth. From the horse's mouth. So now you know CNN. You've lost your credibility already, and you're just putting more heap. Into that fire, because now you're now you just you've lost all you've lost any kind of respect. I mean, if you're gonna say that about a, a movie that their whole thing is to stop child uh, predators, then what are you what are you supporting? Again, they're beholden to Disney, and Disney is just saving their ass. So for lack of a better word. And now, now that DeSantis has put a kibosh on a lot of the shenanigans that Disney was proposing, you know, they're angry. Mm. They're angry. And, I mean, power corrupts. So they're exactly following to a T this whole paranoid book that you're talking about right they they see only the paranoid survive so they see like oh man we got we already stained with this stuff this movie comes out here disney's gonna come right back into the conversation Mm. because guess what i could imagine do this how many kids have been a 
at Disney theme parks? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, let's see. And uh, just give me a second as I make this search. Please sit tight and hold on to your pence and quid. Pablo Morado is trolling the internet for whatever topic they were just discussing. The real challenge is knowing how vast the cosmos of space is in relation to Earth. Ponder that gem for a moment. Please sit tight and hold on to your pence and quid. Pablo Mordo is trolling the internet for whatever topic they were just discussing. The real challenge is knowing how vast... Okay, so I have this uh, article here from PowerToyTime.com. I'm not really sure how uh, how credible this uh, source is, but here here's the, the question it's asking. How many kids go missing at Disney World? It says, Disney World is the happiest place on Earth for many families. Unlike any other, it's a vacation spot filled with magical rides, exciting attractions, and plenty of family-friendly fun. But... Disney World also has a dark side. The theme park is one of the top 10 places children go missing in the U.S. every year. Children go missing at Disney World more often than they go missing at Disneyland, Disney California Adventure, or anywhere else in Orlando. If you've ever worried about leaving your child unattended for a few minutes while, you're at a, while you ride a ride, spend a time in a specific park or take a show, or taken in a show, you aren't alone. There are plenty of parents who feel the same way. The good news is that most kids who go uh, missing at Disney World are safe and well in just a few hours, according to them. <clears throat> it says here, the simple answer is that no one knows. Uh, it says, how many kids go missing at Disney World? The simple answer is that no one knows for sure. This is because Disney doesn't publish official statistics on this topic. Well, there you go. No one knows for sure. It says researchers at the University of Central Florida have studied this issue extensively and have estimated that more than 100 kids go missing at Disney World every year. Still, you'll be happy to hear that most of these kids go uh, that uh, most of these missing kids are reunited with their parents or guardians within the same time they're reported missing. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, but I mean, it should be a law. But it, I mean, it just goes to show. Disclose. Even if it should be a law, but even if like uh, your kid is returned. It should go to show that even in the happiest place on earth, your kids can go missing, even if it's for a brief moment in time. You know, you should not, that should never happen. You know, there should never be well, a point. Sometimes it's inevitable because, you know, kids tend to wander off and get right, lost. Right, of course. But again, but I, I imagine but, uh, I'm there's saying a lot the, of, I, my whole thing is not so many kids that go missing. But how many kids get abducted mm. at their theme parks? And we will never know because they're not going to disclose that information. Right. So here comes DeSantis with a whole new set of laws that puts, you know, a crimp in Disney style 
that this is why they're angry and mm. they they you know they they're upset with DeSantis. Wow, I just looked up something here. Check this out. It says every 40 seconds a child goes missing or is abducted in the United States. Approximately 840,000 children are reported missing each year and the FBI estimates that between 85 and 90% of these are children. Wow. So this is the movie. 800 and almost a million kids go missing. So this movie is opening opening up the fact that there is a ring that operates globally. The Jeffrey Epstein ring. They don't want us knowing about what the hell Jeffrey Epstein was up to. And this is what it is. And what the guy, um, Tim Ballard, says is that kids have now become a hot commodity with the cartels and that they're even uh, giving them, bringing them more profit than drugs because a kid uh, supposedly like you, you sell uh, um, uh, cocaine once and it's over, but you can sell a kid over and over again for 10 years and it's 70 grand a kid or something like that every year. Yeah, that's disgusting. But, it's horrible is what it is. It's absolutely it's horrible. disgusting. But this is why I believe we're in the end of times. Because even Alex Jones said these people, the cartel, mm-hmm. they have these people they call nuggets. Yeah, he did say that. Where they chop off their arms and... What he said was that these are people that have like a like a disorder, like um, uh, alien hand syndrome, or like you know they they feel like they like uh, uh, what is it called body dysmorphia, where they feel like their their hand doesn't belong, like they should be well, missing a limb or something, right, or phantom limb or something of that nature, like like they're not complete like they feel like they need to lose a limb in order for them to be like ah this is how i'm supposed to be represented in this world and uh they find these people they chop off their arms and their legs and then they sell them to i don't know who in the world sick individuals the same individuals that deal with kids deal with kids yeah, and with that, uh, we are 30 seconds from break. Uh, it's uh, evil finds a way. Yeah, it, it's it's awful. Every crack, evil king gets his dirty, disgusting head, and he will it, do it. And you know what? This just, to me, puts the final nail in the coffin of CNN. Why are you listening to CNN? They're not there to report the news they're there to protect their oligarchs and evidently uh, we are very low on their uh scale of importance so i don't believe i don't even give as a matter of fact us mentioning them on this podcast is too much it's too much i said i said that when i thought of like putting this when i was putting the cast together i was like you know even the fact that I'm giving them any kind of day. But you know what? People need to hear about this because still people do listen to CNN. But, because, you know, they, the, the Hollywood saying, 
bad press is press, you know. Any press is good press. So I don't I don't feel comfortable in giving them any press, but the press that I that we are giving them is that you you are out and out grooming kids. You're proven with this child sex trafficking. You got producers doing it, and your parent company Disney is in the hot soup too. So re- reality is, you have some explaining to do. That's what it is, and with they, that, they're controlled. Yeah, by BlackRock and Vanguard, like everything else. Like everything else. And with that, it's time to go to our next break. Well, now it's time for our Bobolongo segment. Artículo número uno. No le des plata. So, folks, uh, so this is our famous Bobolongo segment. That means if you are following us on Instagram, TikTok, Substack, um, all our social media, um, we will give you a shout out. But if you really want to get noticed, you go over to Instagram and follow us at paranormal.experience. This is the one that I manage, and we see this more often. And um, let's look over and see how we're doing. So I'm going to click here. And now, did you know Instagram came out with a new product? Not aware. So we have a new product from Instagram from, uh, or rather from Meta. Meta is the parent owner of Instagram. And their new product is called Threads. Threads, okay. Yeah, so seems like what they're trying to do is either compete with Twitter and Reddit. So, like, th- what they're doing is... What Reddit? Uh, are you familiar with Reddit at all? Yeah, I, I, I go to many of their forums... Uh, especially when I have a, like a car problem, mm. I go to their forums and they usually nail it. Mm. So, um, this threads it seems like it's uh their version of a Reddit where you can post stuff. It's like a forum, and then people comment underneath, and it's basically a new uh like a a new app that is linked with Instagram. So you can post mm. things and then like people can, you know, tag. So we have now on threads, uh, let me just quickly check here on my, uh, I have you here on my phone and it, and it seems like people are really liking this threads thing. Cause, uh, my phone's been blowing up. It seems like we've gotten a lot of new followers here. We got 44 followers since it started. Wow. So we got a lot of people to go through. I'm not going to go with through every single name here, but uh, here's some Bobolongos from Threads. You have Freses Comluz. You are a? Bobolongo. Uh, Amelia Clark and The Knight. You are a? Bobolongo. Uh, Andrea Piccolo, you are a Bobolongo. Bet. Martins, you are a Bobolongo. Bruno Roca, twenty-one, you are a Bobolongo. Carla Gianni, K 
Costa won. You are a Bolongo. Carmen Gloria Gigi Asbun. You are a Bolongo. And 40 more on our thread. So we got a lot of people here on threads. Uh, and we got a, a, a Verdugo here on our threads. You got Steve Fer- uh, Ferreira, uh, 525. So we got some Verdugos here following us on Threads. So it looks like Threads is ticking off or kicking off with a a bang here. So wow, I wasn't aware. Yeah, so I literally just signed this up yesterday and we got 44 followers already. Now over on our Instagram, we got 615 followers. So we're taking our way up almost to a thousand. I'm thinking we should do and something. We, and we started at what was our last week's number? Uh, six hundred and two. And now we're at six fifteen. That's right. right. So we got what thirteen new followers over the week. Um. So here, here's some of our uh Bolongos. Let's move over to our uh, notifications here. Let's see. <clears throat> So we have Anthony F I G U R O Bolongo uh says acupuncture Acura U R O Bolongo Lucia underscore Scary U R O Bolongo I'm noticing you can't read any of these so let me um uh make this a little bit bigger here hold on <clears throat> Uh, alrighty, so here we go. <clears throat> uh, so let's see here. Seek dot your truths. You are a Bolongo. Third eye underscore open underscore red. Bolongo. Uh, RO27 underscore Medina. You are a Bolongo. China Salsa. Uh, underscore Susa Susa mentioned us in the comment. Andrea, a me ver sua entrevista no paranormal dot experience. Uh, marav- uh, I don't Maravilla. know. Maravilla, marvelous. Mm. Oh, she's a verdugo. Okay, so here you go. Verdugo. <laughs> Val Santos, you are a Bolongo. Emir underscore Garip dot by, you are a Bolongo. Fran dot Fernandez uh, Corretora, you are a Bolongo. Uh, Lourdes underscore Gonclades, you are a Bolongo. And I believe that's all our Bolongos for this week. All right. So give them some fanfare. All right. Here's our fanfare for the lovely Bolongos that watch us and follow us.
<laughs> and if you are watching us right now, please don't forget to donate. I'm saying, how you think a nigga's supposed to get this shit? And this shit don't, money don't grow on trees. She don't fire the sky, nigga. Come on, man. I'm saying, how you think a nigga's supposed to get this shit? And this shit don't, money don't grow on trees. She don't fire the sky, nigga. <laughs> All right. So now we've teased this. We're in uh, the final uh, hour, the UFO slash paranormal uh, hour. And I have something that uh, I, t I teased a little bit in the beginning, and that is the Antarctica story. Mm. Now, uh, can you please, for the, for the folks that are just tuning in, give us uh, a little bit of the story of the passenger that you've encountered that went to Antarctica? Yes, um, I had a passenger. I'm not going to name his name because he didn't give me the permission to mention him on the podcast. But he got into my car and he had mentioned that he was, you know, on R&R &R here in uh, Western Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to tell me that he had just come um, from Antarctica on a on a research vessel mm. and he's a merchant Marine and this, you know, he's been all over the world. He has been many places, you know, he's been in Australia. He's been to Africa several times, South America, China, all over Asia, um, Europe. But he told me that the stiffest, um, customs that he's ever been through mm -hmm. is in antarctica when mm. you enter the 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 antarctica um i guess circle or the the borders of antarctica mm -hmm. you know right when you you know you arrive uh you got to go through a special screening and the vessel that he was on, um, his superiors told him, while you're on this vessel here in Antarctica, you're, you are not allowed to take any pictures whatsoever. Mm. And he goes on to tell me that they have, like, these, these uh, tents huge tents that are that are like guarding uh something that is defrosting mm. in the antarctic ice and they're very vigilant in you taking any sort of uh photos or whatever it is but that they're guarding but he said that man they really bet you at that customs in Antarctica. Mm. They, it's not like you show your passport. No, they do a thorough, thorough. He said he lasted a day before he was able to cross in. Yeah. Wow. So uh, 
one of the podcasts that I listen to is Andrew Schultz, and he's a uh, he's a comedian, and you know he has this comedic take on everything. Um, and he was the last person I would have uh, thought to uh, to give me this little clue. But what the hell is going on in Antarctica? He must know something. Some somebody in 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 Hollywood or some people in Hollywood must know something because it got to the point where he under he knows this information. But uh, I want you to take a listen and tell me, it does this. Uh, give clarity to that to that story of the passenger that you had in your car. Okay, so here we go. About Antarctica, mm-hmm. because I think this is going to be the new obsession. I Pause feel like it. it's trending super high. Mm-hmm. That's Graham Hancock. That's a, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, Graham Hancock on as a guest. So he's asking Graham Hancock about Antarctica. I, I want to talk about Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Because I think this is going to be the new obsession. I feel like it's trending super high. Mm-hmm. Who knows if there's any truth to it? But a friend of ours, who will remain nameless, went there. Yeah. Got to go on a cool experience trip, etc. Mm-hmm. And he said a couple interesting things. He said uh, the mountains looked eerily pointy and four-sided. Mm-hmm. Uh he said way more mountainous than he thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I think the illusion made from looking at maps and watching penguins is By the way, just you can see flat. mountains. You can see mountains on the Orontius Phineas map version. Oh, is that what the little edges are? Around the edges there. Interesting. Those are mountains. Now, he also said this. He said a couple things. He said there is a pact with every country that has a slice of it that they will not dig or remove any minerals from Antarctica. Mm-hmm. And he even said that a scientist was there said to them, World War III will not start until one of these countries breaks that pact. Mm. They are clearly protecting or preserving something mm-hmm. that may or may not be under, I believe it's three miles, Mark was saying earlier, at its thickest of ice. Mm-hmm. Now, Mark, maybe you should describe the thing that you were saying before about there was a time where yeah, Antarctica... I was reading an article that perhaps 90 million years ago there was a lush rainforest that is now covered in miles of ice yeah. on the Antarctic continent. Yeah, that, that's probably true. If you go, if you go back that far, uh, you would find that um, the Earth's climate was very different from, from how it is today. And there's, there's undoubtedly a time, they found fossils on Antarctica, there's undoubtedly a time when, when Antarctica was, was lush and green. The question is, was it lush and green during the lifetime of the human species? Yes, this um, is where it gets tricky. And, and this, is where, this is where it gets tricky. Uh, our, the, 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 the Homo sapiens line descends from a line that goes back about six million years, not much further than that, if we accept conventional evolutionary theory. So six million years ago, Antarctica is supposed to have been as cold and as frozen as it is today. Now, when I wrote Fingerprints of the Gods in 1995, which is, which is my first book tracing the possibility of a lost civilization, I was very interested in Antarctica. And I was interested in it because of the work of a previous researcher called Charles Hapgood. Charles Hapgood wrote a number of very important books. One of them is called Maps of the Ancient Sea Kings, which precisely goes into this issue of ancient maps that don't fit our understanding of what the world was, how the world was supposed to be known at that time. Um, And another is called The Path of the Pole. And he uh, proposed a phenomenon that he called Earth Crust Displacement, 
whereby from time to time the entire outer crust of the earth like the skin of an orange might shift leaving the core of the earth in place so that it could shit like so if you imagine a very loose orange skin the fruit is inside it's staying in place but you're shifting the skin around it well obviously then if that happens, Antarctica oh. could have been in warmer latitudes and could have been shifted into colder latitudes. And how often does this happen? Well, does it happen at all is the, fir is the right. first question. I mean, of, of, of all the, the theories I've looked at and supported, this is, this is the one that I've come in for the, for the most criticism for. Mm. Um, and I've been much more interested recently in the Younger Dryas impact hypothesis and the notion that, the, the, uh, that a cataclysm occurred around 12,800 years ago caused by impacts of comet fragments, and we can go into that. Um, but when I wrote Fingerprints of the Gods, although I was interested in comets, I was more interested in Earth crust displacement. Um, and and the, the standard academic response to that is, look, Antarctica's been frozen for millions of years, um, and that rules out the whole Earth crust displacement argument. Um, I think that even those who are still researching this field would prefer it to be the mantle rather than the crust of the Earth that moves. Again, it's very technical, that moves in one piece. Um, there's a but the idea there's is an Italian admiral called Flavio Barbiero who who wrote an article for my website suggesting that earth crust displacement could be kicked off by a comet impact which hits a, hits the earth a glancing blow mm. and and causes a, a shift of this kind taking mm. place but by and large I don't I don't argue these days that uh, that Antarctica and earth crust displacement are the mechanism we should be looking at I'm more I'm much more interested in the very solidly scientifically grounded Younger Dryas impact. Back, to, back in 1995, when I wrote Fingerprints of the Gods, I was searching around for many possibilities that could have caused a global cataclysm in the range of 12 to 13,000 years ago, because that's what all the astronomy pointed out, 12 to 13,000 years ago. And Hapgood's theory uh, seemed to me a very valuable and useful one. I still won't write it off. I won't dismiss it entirely. But I've shifted in the direction of um, uh, the Younger Dryas impact hypothesis, simply because I'm in a constant argument with mainstream academia. Mm. And the issue to me, the most important issue to me, uh, is the issue of a global cataclysm at the end of the Ice Age. What, what caused that cataclysm is a secondary issue. The mm. cataclysm itself is the primary issue. And I found the Younger Dryas impact hypothesis uh, a better, much more scientifically grounded explanation for that cataclysm uh, than the notion of Earth crust displacement. But do any archaeologists or any of these uh, prehistorians dispute the Younger Dryas? There's a, there's still a lot so he's going in, he's going <clears throat> down into the younger Dryas. Let's hear uh, if we can skip along here. Gentleman's name. He's a guy who I believe like excavates up in Alaska for gold. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm forgetting what it is right now. But um, there are like images of woolly mammoths mm. who have been had like their legs completely shattered. Mm -hmm. But they're uh, so they're they're going into. <clears throat> like uh, old uh, megafauna and stuff like that. But right here, he said something. This is the clue. I, uh, this is what I gathered from it, from this little statement here. Mountainous than he thought it would be. Mm -hmm. I think the illusion made from looking at maps and watching penguins is By the way, you can see flat. mountains. You can see mountains on the Orontius Phineas map version. Oh, is that what the little edges are? Around the are? edges there. Interesting. Those are mountains. So he's saying that there's pointy mountains that have, you know, 
Four-sided Four edges. Pyramids. Pyramids, right. And then... Now, he also said this. He said a couple things. He said there is a pact with every country that has a slice of it that they will not dig or remove any minerals from Antarctica. Mm-hmm. And he even said that a scientist was there, said to them, World War III will not start until one of these countries breaks that pact. Huh. So World War III will not start until one of these countries breaks that pact. And what could that be that's buried under there? That they don't want us to know. Well. <clears throat> Maybe like a Nazi base. That could be. That could be. Um, Extraterrestrial crafts. Extraterrestrial crafts. There's another um, possibility. So there's IFOs. A- What's a, what's an identify, identify flying <laughs> objects or flying saucers, right? Because we know what they are, folks. Um, so here's another uh, uh, Antarctica story that uh, went around. Uh, this is from Andy Stump and his experience in in, in Antarctica, and then I have uh, a report from Mister Greg Reese on antarctica so let's uh go over this uh joe rogan clip from andy stump with andy stump um what was weird about antarctica there's nothing there so if you want to go see the emperor penguins or uh all of the wildlife that is available you can't go to the interior of antarctica which is where we were we were at a uh wow (laughs) jeez so i thought this was going to be look at the mountains Wow. You see the mountains to see how pointy they look? Mm-hmm. Huh. Ever done. And what I will say it is it's the probably the coolest location, just what what went into being involved in that. Because we were there for a week. We did our first jump uh, the day after we got there. And then we did the final jump the day that we left. But it's a camp. Uh, the company called Ailey, Antarctic Logistics and uh, Exploration. Um, it's uh, One of the partners is Mike McDowell. And... Awesome Australian family. His son is out there. Tim's out there working with him. And it's a full-on camp. Like, Alex Honnold had passed through shortly um, after we had left there. He was climbing Mount Vincent, which is the largest mountain in Antarctica. Crazy group of people. Fully set up. Like, library, indoor packing area for us to do our parachutes, bathrooms, showers, really nice tents. Will Smith was there earlier. Like, people were passing. Yeah, if you're going to film, from my understanding, if you're going to do, like, a a high-end film project, you basically work your way through that. It's fully established. There's a blue ice runway. We flew in on a 757. What's a blue ice runway? A runway made of, like, blue ice. The runway you land on is straight fucking ice. There is lights Whoa. on the, It's crazy. And it's a chartered It's a chartered uh, 757 through Icelandic air. Yeah. Holy shit, you just land on ice? Straight up blue ice. It, it, it wasn't that, uh, like, a deep, dark blue. Yeah, that's, that's the rush. So if you look in what front of that aircraft, fuck? that's what it is. What the fuck? So those are that's the Russian plane, um, which they – that actually landed while we were there. I got a killer GoPro shot. That's the camp, third row down, the little uh, – yep, that's it right there. And that's basically what it looked like when we were there, too. They had, Now, is that camp set up for scientists? Like, no. no. So there, at the South Pole, there is a bunch of, from my understanding, like, pure science – going on there uh, funded by governments this is straight up kind of tourism i mean you can go there and just hang out in camp you can go see 
uh, glaciers. Yeah, I mean, this is this is at one of the other. They have remote camps Whoa, as well. They have like a, a crazy, um, like very high end camp. Like, not, and yeah, like the, there's tents like that. Those are the tents we were staying in right there. That one you're that's hovering over there. Those are the kind of tents that we were staying. So in. So they got Whoa. tourism in Antarctica as well. Fancy camps where all these elites, like Will Smith and actors, walk through. And where does that money go? I don't know. It's a good question. So something's going on in Antarctica, and look at the look at the pair of the 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 mountains in the background. Look how he's right. They look very pointy. They look very. Uh, and by all said and purposes, if you look at this picture, and if I told you all oh, they're at they're in white sand beaches. It almost looks like they are like right somewhere in uh in some uh tropical country. You know, if you make what's supposed to be snow sand, right, with all these tents, that looks kind of inviting. As a matter of fact, yeah, it's for tourism, apparently. But who can really afford to go to Antarctica? And what do you do there? Right. What is there to do there? What is there to do there? And that is the question. And and it's funny that he alludes to this research places where scientists are at. Right. And that's where the guy I picked up, he went to. Mm-hmm. Where you were strictly vetted. So they must have places just for tourism, and that appeases the masses. Oh, people can go to Antarctica. Right, but in reality... But I imagine you hit a wall mm -hmm. where you cannot pass. And I'd imagine these these trips to Antarctica aren't cheap. They must be quite expensive. <laughs> so That's only a interesting. So only a certain few are are there, and the ones that are there, he said, he mentioned one name that he was that he saw while he was there, and that's Will Smith. So, I don't know. There's, there's, there's more to this Antarctica story. So, here's the Greg Reese uh, story that's, uh, again, dress, addressing uh, Antarctica. So, let me see here. Um, uh, hold on. Just give me one second. It looks like the story I had got mixed up. So, just give me one second while I pull up this next story. Please sit tight and hold on to your pens and quid. Pablo Morado is trolling the internet for whatever topic they were just discussing. The real challenge is knowing how vast the cosmos of space is in relation to Earth. Ponder that gem for a moment. Okay, here we go. During World War II, the Nazis' most classified project was known as Die Glock, the bell. Secret documents found years later reveal that the bell was a new kind of exotic energy technology that could affect time and defy gravity. In 1939, the Nazis set up a secret base in Antarctica known as New Schwabia. Starting in 1945, Operation Paperclip 
secretly brought hundreds of Nazi scientists into America, where they were hired by the military-industrial complex. In 1946, Admiral Richard Byrd led a military expedition known as Operation High Jump to seek out Nazi base New Schwabia and other Antarctica bases. On his way back to the U.S., Admiral Byrd told Chilean newspaper El Mercurio that in the event of a new war, the U.S. would be facing military craft that can fly from one pole to the other with incredible speed. In 1959, a dozen nations signed the Antarctic Treaty, making it illegal for anyone to travel south of the 60th parallel without government permission. Since then, curious videos have circulated that show what appear to be Nazi UFOs. And just last mm. Monday, Dr. Stephen Greer introduced Antarctica whistleblower Eric Hecker. In 2010, I was selected to go down to the South Pole Station in Antarctica for an entire year by Raytheon Polar Services as an employee of a third-party contractor for the National Science Foundation. I function in a dual-role capacity as a tradesman and a firefighter. My responsibilities required me to be more informed than most of my crew and offered me complete access to the facilities. What I learned from this unique experience needs to be shared with the entire world. The technology at the South Pole Station certainly can do what it is presented as its primary purposes, and unfortunately, much more. The Ice Cube Neutrino Detector is presented as a passive listening device for the purposes of the science as presented. But I'm going to skip right through the chase, folks. Uh, I have provided documentation that proves that the 5,160, what they call DOMs, that are embedded in the ice can actually transmit at 2,047 volts each. That gives us a long list of things to consider. It is effectively a multifaceted directed energy weapons platform that I will uh, list rapidly a few things that it can do. Vehicle detection. We're learning that these off-world craft, on-world craft, ours or other nations, are also emitting neutrinos. So this makes the South Pole Station effectively an air traffic control station for this new level of equipment that nobody's discussing. In addition to the ability to detect neutrinos and the exotic vehicles, I have provided documentation that shows that this is also a system for faster-than-light communications. In the past, Gary McKinnon has hacked NASA, found the off-world fleet, the list of captains, and it's apparent that if we have faster-than-light vehicles moving throughout the system, we're going to need faster-than-light communications. This is that facility. Unfortunately, I have other bad news. The season that I was there, 2010 to 2011, we converted from uh, construction to operations and maintenance in both the elevated station and the detector array. Unfortunately, when they first fired it up, that was when we had the earthquakes in Christchurch, New Zealand. There was two incidental shots before they were able to target it correctly. This is an earthquake-generating device as well. This is the weapons of war that we have to deal with now and what Raytheon's hiding. There's an ELF system at the South Pole Station. That what Raytheon's hiding. Wow. And then this is our suspicion with Turkey, that it was a harp, you know, directed energy weapon that that caused a humongous earthquake in Turkey and that crazy UFO looking cloud. Mm -hmm. And and you have a passenger that themselves, which this was totally on the we explained this here on the on the cast, folks. Wish we had a way we can pull up old things on the fly. But, you know, this was here on the cast and 
it was just a passenger that visited Antarctica, and he's like, he noticed something metallic kind of thawing out in the ice. Right. And was like, uh, something's going on in the, the security and all that other stuff. He said the security was <clears throat> extremely intense, and they were guarding something. And one, see, I didn't tell you this in, in, when we, we were discussing this, mm. but one night he got up. Because you cannot tell night and day over there. Right. But he got up. It's about 3 a.m. And they were not, the security were a little lax. Mm. You know, they were tired. And he got near these tents. Mm. And he saw something. And he attempted to take out his phone mm. and take pictures of it. But not only did he fear losing his job. Which they said that would happen if he wouldn't take any pictures of any kind. Right. He feared that something else mm. would happen if he did. Maybe land in jail or God Worse. knows possibly, you know, kill him or something. Right. But he did see something. Something encased. He said he definitely saw something that was encased in ice that they were nurturing Mm. so that it doesn't melt. Right. And it was not an animal. It was a structure. So there's a mystery down there. Believe it or not, you meet some interesting people. Doing ride sharing for sure. Mm. So there's something going on in Antarctica. Let's let uh, this uh, report finish out here. Um, I don't know this unseen hand. They got their hand. Uh, they got their grubby hands on everything. And you know, we went from like, you know, how they lied to us about this uh, child trafficking uh, thing and and. Uh, how Disney is like one thing, but really does the other. And as we're going down this Antarctica um, uh, story, just one thing happened to come to mind with uh, it just like like a, uh, uh, I don't know, like a eureka kind of moment. Like a, I don't even know how to explain this, a paradigm shift or whatever. But there's a movie that Disney created. That is about adrenochrome. Now that I think about it, it the whole movie is about adrenochrome. What movie is this? Monsters Inc. Oh, how they they scare the kids, kids and they fill up this what a canister, what looks like blood or whatever. They fill with up fear, right? With their fear, which. What produces adrenochrome in kids, you their fear right kicks in, goes into their bloodstream, thus you have adrenochrome. Right. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. So they're not only they're not only doing it behind the scenes, but just like Alex Jones has said, they do it right in front of your face. And they brag about and it. They brag about it. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Now, let's finish out this Antarctica 
Oh my god, I just ugh. I'm laughing, but it's not a laughing matter. It's just unbelievable. This is what it is. <sighs> Back to Antarctica. Uh, oh, hold on. When I was arrived, I was told it was off, dismantled, and completely defunct. In my work, I will rapidly just tell you, I had to figure out the circuitry for certain other repairs, and I found that this system is, in fact, completely energized, up and running, and being utilized with the other systems for nefarious purposes as well. The Atmospheric Research Observatory is uh, in what we call the clean air sector. I witnessed myself a very powerful green laser shooting out of the top of this facility into the cosmos. This, I believe, is a secondary form of long-range communications and or a defense system. A question of power comes into play for all of these facilities that are present. I assure you, I knew what was going on. I knew the load demands of the facility. And all of these new items exceed the demand for the systems that I was presented. I am doing due diligence and research. I believe there is either a secondary power supply there that is either nuclear that uh, was there prior to the start of the Antarctic Treaty, which prohibits such things, and or that there is some sort of exotic uh, power supply system there that just is not in the verbiage of the treaty, so it negates the responsibility to the parties involved. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Electrical, electric gravitical machines. Electrical gravitical is it a uh, 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 zero point energy? Right, is what is is being used because he's saying it's it exceeds far more and what they what this what report, they put in right it exceeds uh, by a, a long shot right of what it puts out right. So one of the things that they started this whole uh, uh, Greg restarted this whole report on was these uh, electrical gravitical machines that Hitler was working on and brought to not to 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 bell. Antarctica the bell which you know now he's saying that the zero point uh energy uh or he said nuclear or some other exotic technology is powering this thing which is, uh Stephen Greer makes the case that that could be zero point energy and we'll discuss more about that Right after this break. But what did you think of this uh, a- Antarctica? Um, Very provocative. Story. Very provocative. Did it uh, shed some li- more light onto, give us some more pieces as to what that passenger had seen? And we're going to get him on the show. We got to. We got to. Whether it be, to- he can be totally anonymous. I told him that. Mm. We even will put a voice changer on him. Right. Him. If needed, if needed, we'll we'll do that. We have capability of doing that, so we'll we'll get that done. But there there's more to know about this whole uh, Antarctica bit, and I'm just uh, looking forward to finally get the getting some answers. So, with that being said, it's time for our next break. Right, so this segment is brought to you by theparamidshop.com. Please visit theparamidshop.com to watch this cast live. Uh, you can see us completely live on theparamidshop.com. You can also find links to our 
other um, entities, which is the Fungi Coffee Co. and Paramin Supplements. Now, if you want to find Paramin Supplements, you just go to Paramin, that's P-A-R-A-M-I-N, SUP, S-U-P-P dot com. That's Paramin SUP. Dot com, or you can go to theparamidshop.com and you can find the link there as well. And if you want to become a Verdugo and claim your prize and your title, you just go over to our Substack, which is theparamid.com. And um, so now, with that being said, we'll go over uh, the weather. So let's go the weather. This weather is brought to you by the weather uh, weather.com. So let's go over to weather.com and let's get uh, the weather for this week. <clears throat> uh, as this cast is moving to a close, this has been a very interesting wild ride. Yes, it has. It's been uh, an amazing uh, episode 56. We had a, a really amazing special guest. We had uh, crazy stories, um, amazing current events. We didn't even uh, get into the cocaine in the White House. <laughs> oh, we're going to unpack that. But we'll have to unpack that in the next in the cast. next cast. Yeah, yeah. God but, forbid they found cocaine <laughs> in the Trump administration. So um, that being said, we'll go over to our 10-day forecast here. So... It looks like uh, on, let's see here. So tomorrow, oh my goodness, it's going to be really hot tomorrow. So try to find your way to be cool on, and, and stay in, inside in some AC because tomorrow is going to be 92 degrees as your high. Put it on screen so we can see it. All right, hold on. Um, hold on. One second. Uh, <laughs> uh, apologies. I'm having a little bit of technical difficulties here. One extra second here. Wow. So tomorrow is going to be 92 degrees with a low of 69. That's right. Uh, 7% uh, probability of precipitation. Mm-hmm. Winds at 10 miles an hour. That's but right. Still, eight ninety two. Oof, it's gonna be hot. It's gonna be real hot tomorrow, folks. On Thursday, it's gonna be a high of eighty eight with a low of seventy three. Mostly cloudy, with a twenty four percent chance of rain. On Friday, you got eighty one degrees with a low of seventy one. Scattered thunder uh, thunderstorms on Friday, uh, with a fifty eight percent chance of rain. Uh, you got. On Saturday, a high of 86 with a low of 70. Uh, scattered thunderstorms again. Um, all the way through our casts uh, all to the next uh, cast here. So we got scattered thunderstorms all weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, so Friday's a high of 81 with a low of 71. Saturday, high of 86, low of 70. Sunday, high of 82, low 70. And Monday, high of 88, low 70. And Tuesday, high of 88, low is 67. So you're looking at scattered thunderstorms, all of them uh, 40% and above. Um, so you're looking at a high probability of thunderstorms all 
weekend long. And then into the next week and Monday and Tuesday. So you don't get a break until Wednesday of next week. Wow. <laughs> We're headed. I mean, we got a break there in June. Yeah. But it looks like these next two months, they're going to be rough. Yeah, they're going to be... Uh, Really rough. I mean, it's going to be thunderstorms. We're going to, I mean, we're already dealing with landslides and all sorts of dealing with flooding. And yeah, I mean, it's just, we've got to brace ourselves. I mean, that's as much as we can do, right? That's all we can do. Yeah, that's all we can do. When Mother Nature does what it does, uh, there's nothing we can do about it, but just ride along with her. Yeah, exactly. So now let's move over to our uh, national weather. Uh, Hold on. Just give me one second. Uh, Dealing with a little bit of uh, technical difficulties today. But nonetheless, been a very great cast. Let's move on. Okay. So see. uh, So you're looking at for today, for today's national weather. Uh, Hold on. I don't know why this is doing this. <clears throat> Just bear with me, folks. I'm trying to get this uh, on screen for those that are watching us live. And again, you can watch us live on theparamidshop.com. Okay, here we go. So you're looking at um, across the country here. You got a high of 66 in San Francisco, high of 86 in Los Angeles, 108 in Las Vegas, 110 in Phoenix, 106 in El Paso, 100 in Albuquerque, 100 in uh, Lubinick, Texas, 100 in San Anto- 104 in San Antonio, 96 in Brownsville, 98 in Houston. 100 in Dallas, 90 in Oklahoma, oh my Lord. 96 in Denver, 96 in Salt Lake City, 91 in, uh, looks like Reno, Nevada, 93 in Medford, uh, looks like Medford, California, uh, 75 in Seattle, 91 in Boise, Idaho, 75 in Cut Bank, uh, 87 in, uh, looks like in uh, Billings, uh, 96 in Salt Lake City. You got 62 in, uh, looks like Minsets. Uh, you have, um, 81 in Rapid City, 95 in Kansas City, 90 in Oklahoma. Um, you got 82 in Chicago, 93 in St. Louis, 90 in Memphis, and 92 in New Orleans. Uh, you got on the East Coast, you're looking at 72 degrees in Caribou, Maine, uh, 85 degrees in Boston, 90 degrees in New York, 91 in Washington, 89 in Norfolk, Virginia, 89 again in Charlotte, South Carolina, 88 in Atlanta, and 88 in Jacksonville, uh, 84 in Tampa, and 92 in Miami. So throughout the entire country, it's all red, folks. It's all in the high 80s, 90s. We're burning, folks. We're burning. We're burning. I mean, there's only one state here that's 62, and that's the lowest it gets here. And uh, that's way up. I believe that's uh, Minnesota. So 62 sounds good right about now. <laughs> 
brace yourself, folks. We're only in July. So um, with that being said, this also um, we're going to bring into this cast um, because our uh, time is running short. So uh, because we, we try to give the people what they want, we also have a little bit of a, uh, a lighthearted segment as we uh, prepare for the UFO segment. So we got a little bit of uh, uh, funnies for you in this break. <clears throat> you have um, a bunch of fails. Uh, so best fails of the year so far in 2023. I'm going to play a few of these. Hopefully this gets you to chuckle um, at the very least, but uh, something, you know, something to get your mind off of all the craziness that's going on. Again, you know, only the paranoid survive and maybe these fails help you uh, avoid some of the pitfalls that these people are <laughs> falling for. So I'm going to share this online uh, with you guys. Just give me one second here and here we go. Oh, oh. Shh. Oh, my God. You saw that? Oh, my goodness. Blind racing. Oh, oh, oh. Ouch. Ooh. Weight ball right to the face. Oh, oh. Weight lifting fell right backwards. Oh, tree fell over. Oh, damn. Wait, I have to see that one again. Hold on. Go back. Oh, man. Oh, he was cutting. He was cutting the tree from the from the center, trying to cut it down, and he fell off of the tree. Oh, my God. Look at this. Oh, oh. Damn. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Uh. <laughs> so much for doing your cardio. Uh. There you go. There you go. Right in the gonad. So in the, the nuke. So for theater the of the uh, <laughs> theater of the mind, a pole vaulter goes over. The what do you call that? The gate or whatever. He goes over the pole, but then gets sodomized by the pole that he goes on. He gets he, impaled by the very pole that helped him leap get up across. There. Yeah, oh my god. Ooh. Yeah, look at that tire. Oh oh ouch. <laughs> Oh, hitting the head with a basketball, cutting down trees, and oh, <laughs> oh, damn, truck almost got, oh, no, oh, my God, what, oh, no, whoa, what was that? What the hell was that? Was that a car? Ooh. 
Oh my god, like something the structure just some, collapsed. Yeah, some structure collapsed. Oh my god. The guy delivering flowers slipped and fell. Car goes through a building. Oof. <laughs> Weighted medicine ball right to the face by bouncing it. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. <laughs> Idiots. He just messed up his car. <laughs> <laughs> Do it again. Okay, this is. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. Oh my gosh. Only the paranoid survive, folks. <laughs> Well, there goes his dinner. Oh, oh no. damn it. <laughs> Goddamn plant. Uh, Play that again. <laughs> I love the anger. I love the anger. <laughs> <laughs> This looks like Nano. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, we gotta <laughs> <laughs> A sled dog is pooping while running. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Oh, my goodness. Right to the floor. Oh my goodness! And he's a he's up and at him. Are you fucking kidding me? Unbelievable! <laughs> <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Play that again! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> <And> the. <laughs> <laughs> the Nerf gun scared her with the Nerf guns as she was painting. <laughs> she is pissed. Oh, man. Yes, she is. Oh, uh, and he is now, too. Oh. Watch for showboating. <laughs> so much for moving your desk. Oh my what you goodness! You get for getting uh, cheap particle board. <laughs> and with that, it's time for our next segment. All right, folks, you've made it. You made it finally to the UFO segment that we wanted to discuss today. So today we're going to be discussing The Lost Century by uh, Dr. David Greer, uh, or rather Stephen Greer, I'm sorry, Dr. Stephen Greer. And uh, yeah, David Greer must be his brother. <laughs> right? <laughs> 
You know what I'm thinking of? David Grush. You know? ah. yeah. So, uh, The Lost Century and uh, How to Reclaim It. So, what this movie or documentary is entailing is quite fascinating. Um, so, over the weekend, I saw this as I was on a road trip to New Jersey to get a inspection sticker. Um, because my, uh, even though I'm still in, uh, right now I'm currently living in FEMA region number one, uh, I lived in Jersey and I had to, you know, I kept my car still registered in Jersey. So I went down there to get my, uh, inspection and on the inspection sticker on the backside of the inspection sticker, there is a telephone pole and a car crashing into a telephone pole and it says, don't drink and drive. Wow. Now, ordinarily, you know, I would be uh, promoting that message. Of course, you don't want to drink and drive. But after watching this Lost Century uh, documentary, it goes to show that the lengths that they go to cover up what they're what he's discussing here. So um, basically what the Lost Century is regarding is that if you start asking yourself um, these UFOs that exist right now, you know, you have people like David Grush coming out, you have all these experts that are coming out that are, you know, within the military that are stating that not only do these UFOs exist, but um, that we have no capability that we know of to even compete with them and they have to be from some other origin because of the physics behind these things are so far and beyond uh our technology our technology right but david grush i mean david grush uh steven greer time. yeah <laughs> steven greer give yourself a pow pow <laughs> i haven't i haven't earned one in a long time so i was gonna let you slide <laughs> So you were discussing David Grush. No, Stephen Greer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stephen Greer. Um, very interesting documentary. And every minute of this, of this documentary is educational. He tells you from suppression, from withholding, from... Patent uh, conspiracies, everything. So the reason that you uh, found it odd with the whole telephone pole, don't drink and drive, mm -hmm. is because in reality, we don't need them. Telephone poles should be obsolete by now. Or should be obsolete, right. And he makes the uh, the, the assertion argument. that they knew that there that was obsolete before they even built them, right? And that we, we are living this whole unseen hand that everyone's feeling like. Well, the reason why we feel this way is because the people, the powers that be, have been suppressing. The, our ability to produce energy and everybody that comes up with a, a new alternative that um, a new green 
alternative that is totally free, free energy that they get railroaded, black shelved, um, killed in some circumstances, and ultimately all these inventors die with their invention then and or rather take their invention to their grave right which is why we you know mentioned golem a couple times here because when they invent something instead of uh passing on their secret patent Mm -hmm. they die taking that patent with them or the invention with them because a lot of them don't even get approved for the patent Right. Because they get blocked. And the patent office, right, doesn't even give them the patent. And they make up excuses like your invention don't work or it doesn't pass certain criteria. They make up something so that your invention doesn't go through. And certain inventions are the size of a cigar box. Right. That can provide uh, perpetual energy for years, for decades. So what I found interesting in this documentary, I don't want to do, you know, not too many spoilers, Mm -hmm. but imagine a home with no outlets because you're not going to need them. A home where every device comes with his own free power source. Right. So you'll have a refrigerator with his own power uh, source, your own computer with his own power source. No need for electricity coming out of an outlet. Right. Right. And not only does it have its own power source, but the power source is made out of uh, what they call zero-point energy, which is harnessing the vibration of quarks and which is our subatomic particles that, you know, vibrate. And, um, and that is in everything. Everything that exists has subatomic uh, quarks in them that vibrate. So theoretically, no matter where you are on Earth, you have energy and uh, more energy than you need. And these things have been invented. Right. But suppressed by the powers that be. So in this in this documentary, he mentions um perpetual energy, which means energy that doesn't run out. Right. Zero he calls it zero point three energy. This is the energy that uh, Nikola Tesla right. uh, invented, and he, he made the assertion that um, Teslas, the car, are fake. They're not, they're not really Teslas. Not, not that they're fake cars as in they don't work or they're ripoffs from China, but fake in the, as in they took the name Tesla and uh, made the car appear as if it was something that a Tesla would uh, uh, invent, endorse, endorse even, but in reality, it's against everything he stood yeah, for. Yeah, because you, you know, you have to charge your Tesla, you know, using with, the old system. Using the old system, but in reality, Tesla wanted free energy. Right. So here we are. The crux of the of the documentary 
is that here we are mining coal, cobalt, all kinds of minerals supposedly to power um, our grids, but in reality, we don't need it. There's not even a need for telephone poles to the fact that there, there is technology that we have that we don't even need roads and how this would have changed the landscape of cities. Right. You know, you'll have lush. And did you, did you see in the documentary the similarities from the, the crafts, like the, the electrical, electric, gravitical uh, UFO or machine crafts that uh, have that little antenna that, uh, that are very similar to... Right, that curved antenna on the top. Right. That looks fear on it. That looks very similar to the Jetsons. Right. And this is what David, um, David, I keep saying David. Give yourself a pow. This is what Dr. Stephen Greer. Greer. Right. Well, Stephen Greer um, makes this assertion that, you know, this whole uh, energy is the reason why we don't know about the UFOs because there's a big, uh, um, a huge, he says a quadrillion dollars uh, in in keeping this lie afloat. Right, because this is how the powers that be <clears throat> are monetize a- everything. Monetize everything. I mean, even our own dollar bill <clears throat> was... Pegged to <laughs> was pegged to the uh, oil and gas. Absolutely, the petrol dollar. Absolutely. So, so we are going through all these shenanigans of mining uh, uh, coal, mining oil, mining cobalt, mining everything that we need to power our from the very small like our cell phones to our cars and everything on this planet but in reality we have the technology to eliminate all that and several people several people have invented in one shape or form this zero energy Mm. there's a guy who puts water in his scooter with just a smidge of gasoline, the thing runs. There's another guy. Well, yeah. The, what he was saying is that that zero point energy is the is the thing that that these uh, UFOs operate off of. But he said anybody that got anything better, more efficient, anything that made our an existing system even better and more efficient, was being suppressed. And he says something so sinister that let's say you come up with an invention that that it's zero energy, mm-hmm. the size, let's say, of a small box. Right. Right. And you and you put the patent on it. What they will do is they a company would come out and say, Oh, we love your idea. Great. We'll give you $20 million right off the bat. 
sign this paper, and here's your twenty million. Mm-hmm. The minute they do that, they take that invention and they shelve it. Yep. And you'll never see that invention ever again. Right. And like I told you, I have uh, my best friend who um, his cousin in the Dominican Republic invented something with. um, You said like a propane uh, type of. No, it wasn't propane. It was using water. What do you call that technology? Hydrogen. Hydrogen. Okay. Using hydrogen. He was installing. The thing the size of a, of a Red Bull uh, can. Okay. He would retrofit this in what in what we call our taxis mm-hmm. in the Dominican Republic, conchos. Okay. Right? Which are hoopties, you know, mm. 80s and 90s hoopties. Okay. Um, gas-powered vehicles. And he would install, retrofit this hydrogen can. And you could actually run your car for a week or even longer just off this small can. And he got a following where these conchos were getting this hydrogen retrofitted on their cars because they saved them on gasoline. Mm -hmm. So he said, man, this is going to be, you know, he went through the, Golem syndrome. Mm. Oh, and I, he never exposed that energy source. That, mm. but is because one day, um, these people dressed up really nice, even though it's like ninety degrees, mm-hmm. they were in a three-piece suit. They said we're looking for so and so, and they threatened them. Mm. They told them. That technology, because he did make a trip to uptown Manhattan mm-hmm. and retrofitted a couple of livery cabs mm-hmm. in uptown Manhattan. And the word got out to the point that the FBI went to the Dominican Republic, told them, see that technology you got right there? You better not see that again or you're going to jail. Wow. And... Something of the same effect. That's what struck me in this uh, documentary with mm-hmm. Stephen Greer is that a, uh, a subject of that documentary went through the same thing. They told him, either you don't mention that technology again or you're going to jail. Right. Same thing they told my best friend's cousin. Right. So this stuff is real. Is and this is the thing that 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 um Stephen Greer had uh, really opened my mind, and uh, it this is something that if you're listening to this cast and you you're like us and you believe in the UFOs and you want to know about the extraterrestrials and all these things, well, first and foremost, he says, let's let's just let's just put it right, uh, they are not UFOs, they're not unidentified flying objects. We know what they are. They're a tic-tac-looking flying object. They're a flying saucer-looking flying object. They're a rhomboid, like a rhombus-looking flying object. Not unidentified, right? It's not like like we can't make out what they are. We know what these things are. We know what they are. That's why I coined the trade, the, the, the term, 
IFO, <laughs> identified <laughs> flying objects. Right. Because they know. They know They're what flying they flying saucers. Right. That was the first ever news article that came out from Roswell that said flying saucer down. Not UFO, flying saucer. So there you have it. They already have a name for it. Right. And he struck me because he said you can tell about these um, alien um, technology crafts because they're seamless. Mm. And he said that one, you know, a guy uh, uh, witnessed like a Mm -hmm. burger-shaped craft that was like seamless. And... With this, with the windows all around, and he showed the renderings, mm-hmm. and you know, if they're of human origin, mm-hmm. why are you going with diamond-tipped uh, drills trying to get into this thing? Right. Yeah. So they, in the in the documentary, it was saying that that we had these crafts and they were trying to break into them. Well, why would we try to break into these ca- uh, these crafts? Because they're not ours. They're not ours. <laughs> so, but they have, um, to a certain extent, uh, reverse technology, a lot of this crafts. And this is where we get this um, uh, bell kind of uh, right. structure. So... This documentary, I I, re, I wish they would. Was there a way we could put the? No, we can't put it on. On our uh, website, yeah. Uh, I I could reach out because you know what? At the end of the day, uh, Stephen Greer wants this uh, message out there. You know, that's the whole point. You know, and perhaps that we may and be if able to somehow, some way, Steve Doctor Stephen Greer. Mm-hmm. Happens to stumble upon a little humble podcast by the name of the Pyramid, <laughs> the Pyramid.com. That's right. I mean, the Pyramid it, Podcast. Never did we think we'll have a, a person like John Lee Dumas on the cast. So, But if he happens to stumble on this little humble podcast, we would love at least have you for half an hour, at bare minimum half an hour. On our show, because this guy, he even said that it's a tragedy. The whole Challenger thing is a tragedy because there was no reason. For those people to die. Yeah, there's no reason to have uh, solid um, fuel rockets. We have the technology to, like, traverse the universe. Right, and the whole thing is... Well, the people that are may not be uh, uh, adept in the UFO uh, uh, world is that the reason the UFOs are being suppressed is because there's money. Follow the money. There's money at stake here, folks. And Can that means you imagine you Dubai, have- Dubai evaporates in and overnight because now what are you going to make your money off of? There's no more petrol. No more petrol. No more need for petrol. So, but, of course, you know, the the kings and princes of of 
uh, the Emirates will go under. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, people like the Carnegies, people like the Rockefellers right. will lose their empire. Not that they're going to go broke. Right. But they're, because they're all about legacy, mm-hmm. passing it on and keeping the name alive. This thing will will go extinct with the technology that is available. And there are doc. This is the shocking thing about this documentary that there is documentation mm-hmm. in our archives that show that this is not something that Dr. David Greer, David Greer, <laughs> here you go, <laughs> Dr. Stephen Greer. Well, yeah, that pow, pow. Thank you. Pow, 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 pow. Um, Dr. Stephen Greer is not just making this up. Right. This is something that is documented, is in the information library of the of our governments. And he shows the documents. He shows everything. And this he has guessed on proving that we have this technology. But it's just like in the seventies we had a track, but we had the technology to put it on disc. Mm-hmm. But we suppressed it because there were people invested. And it's sad and it one of the one of the the guy who was wearing the brown jacket mm-hmm. he says that if he thinks about this, he doesn't sleep because it angers him. Right. Right. So, you know, and then you have all this, you know, that they're suppressing the, the technology and then suppressing all this stuff. But they're also... Is there any way we could play a trailer of this? Yeah, I have something here. I loaded up ready. Oh, great. I um, want people to see that we're not making this up. No, actually, I have I have the actual documentary full and loaded here, but uh, I'm going to play a little uh, clip here from the documentary itself. But great. One, one of the things that this documentary says that is um, uh, important... Is that, you know, this whole entity that is that is with uh, these crafts have been operating apart from the U.S. government without any oversight, doing things that are not for the citizens. They're just to serve itself. And this and- is why David... Now we could use the term. Real name. <laughs> David Grosh right. said that there is a, a group of of very wealthy people that are in control. Yes, and suppressing this energy, this this uh, UFO phenomena, mm-hmm. and the fact that we have their these crafts, Some and the of, things that they do. He like he said like. They could just, they are in control of the financial system as a whole. Like, they could just make money appear in your account. And they can come up and create money left and right. And never mind the fact that they're into the child uh, sex trafficking 
into the drug ring, into all the black market things, because that's where they get their money from. But they're operating, and then on top of that, the United States government can't do anything about it. And because I, their and technology I, is so far in advance that nothing that we could use to to throw their way, even if we wanted to launch a nuke, we can't because they could shut it down. So with that said, I think in our lifetime, we found the Rosetta Stone. Mm. And you know who that Rosetta Stone is? Professor... Or Dr. Stephen Greer. No, 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 no. Oh, you mean the... the, the you know what the Rosetta Stone is? Yeah, the Rosetta Stone is the thing that uh, helps you translate or had several translations so that people could see all the different uh, languages or learn right. the different... Right, it was uh, how we were able to translate um, the Egyptian hieroglyphs mm. i'll google it real quick i know we're at the end of the show but yeah uh go to go to the definition of what the rosetta stone is okay uh, i just want to be correct i believe it's what this is the this particular inscribed stone mm-hmm. is what helped us to decipher egyptian hieroglyphs mm. okay so let me see what i got here uh, just give me one second. And I'll tell you. I'm sorry, go ahead. And I'll tell you, after we give you the definition of the Rosetta Stone, mm-hmm. what is our Rosetta Stone of this present day? Mm, okay, so uh, let's see here. Please sit tight and hold on to your pence and quid. Pablo Morado is trolling the internet for whatever topic they were just discussing. The real challenge is knowing how vast the cosmos of space is in relation to Earth. Ponder that gem for a moment. Please sit tight and hold on to your pence and quid. Pablo Mordo is trolling the internet for whatever topic they were just discussing. The real challenge is knowing how vast the cosmos of space is in relation to Earth. Ponder that gem for a moment. Okay, I'm sorry. I was uh, uh, pulling up uh, chat GPT. So what was the question again? Well, I got it here. If you let's see what we what I say matches what chat mm-hmm. GPT says. But what were we? Uh... Uh, what is the Rosetta Stone? Uh, Rosetta Stone, okay. An inscribed stone found near Rosetta, now called Rashid, on the western mouth of the Nile in Egypt in 1799. It's text written in three scripts, hieroglyphs, Demotic, and Greek. The deciphering of the hieroglyphs by Jean-Francois Chapillon in 1822, led to the interpretation of many early records of Egyptian civilization. Now, let's see what ChatGPT comes up with. <laughs> well, ChatGPT is a little uh, lengthy, but it says here, the Rosetta Stone is an ancient artifact that played a crucial role in deciphering Egyptian hieroglyphs. 
one of the oldest known writing systems in the world. It is a slab of black uh, grand, grandiorite stone that was discovered in 1799 in the Egyptian town of Rosetta, modern-day Rashid, by French soldiers during the Napoleonic campaign in Egypt. The Rosetta Stone is inscribed with a decree in, in, issued at Memphis, Egypt in 196 BCE. The decree written in three scripts includes hieroglyphic, demotic, uh, a cursive script used for everyday purposes, and Greek. The significance of the Rosetta Stone lies in the fact that it is provided a key to understanding hieroglyphs at the time of uh, its discovery scholars had no knowledge of how to read the hieroglyphs as the knowledge of the ancient script had been lost for centuries however because the greek text on the rosetta stone could be understood it provided a crucial point of reference for deciphering the other scripts the breakthrough in deciphering the hieroglyphs came through efforts of the french linguist jean france uh Francois uh, Champion and British um, physicist Thomas Young, by comparing the Greek text with the hieroglyphic and demotic text, um, they were able to identify shared words and phrases, allowing them to start unraveling the hieroglyphic uh, script. The Rosetta Stone is now displayed in the British Museum in London, where it has been since 1802, following the acquisition by the British after the victory over the French in Egypt. It remains one of the most famous and significant artifacts in the field of Egyptology and has greatly contributed to our understanding of ancient Egyptian civilization. Okay, so with that said, we're going to end this show mm. with an Ask Pablo. <laughs> okay. What do you think? Now think Shall we play a game? Yes. <laughs> so if you're thinking like a nest, like the mysterious Ernesto Morado, <laughs> what could be the Rosetta Stone of modern day of this, of this decade of the 2020s? What could that be? The Rosetta Stone of the 2020s. Hmm. Now again, this is my my hypothesis, my idea, but I think this particular stone, I'm going to call it a stone because I don't want to give away the answer, but this particular stone, we discovered it just a few years ago. And it's unlocking many things. Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm stumped. Okay, so I'll give you a clue. I'm going to call it the JF stone. The JF? No, I'm sorry. The JE stone. JE? Hmm. The JE stones. Hmm. Just give it a guess. I don't know. You threw me off with the JE. Uh, not sure. Well, throw, I I told you what a bombelette was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, um, 
the Rosetta Stone. I mean, I don't think it's the Georgia Guidestones um, because I'm throwing you off because I'm calling it a stone. So you're not going to guess it. So give yourself <laughs> a. <laughs> now, this is a Ernesto Morado exclusive. <laughs> now, this is the Aether of the Mind. Uh-huh. What well, was discovered. You know, as a recent history that I call the J.E. Stone, but it's not actually a stone. It's a like a secret island owned by Jeffrey Epstein. A Jeffrey Epstein yes. stone. There's no stone. Jeffrey Epstein is our modern day Rosetta Stone because we are realizing that all these people that were affiliated with Jeffrey Epstein, you can trace every one of them to what Dr. Stephen Greer is talking about. These are the gatekeepers. Mm. And if you dig more into these uh, things that they found from Jeffrey Epstein, that's unlocks not only the pedophile ring, not only the people that patronized, but we're discovering that he was giving financial advice. Mm-hmm. There's many, and these are the things that have leaked out. Right. But I believe if one day everything that Jeffrey Epstein and what's his girl's name? Galen Maxwell. What they have found in the possession of Jeffrey Epstein and this Maxwell chick, it would unlock a lot of things that we're like, oh, snap. No wonder this guy has so much power. Mm. So I believe. Even though Jeffrey Epstein is not a stone, mm-hmm. but he's a proverbial Rosetta mm. Stone. And if we dig in deep into what was found on that island in his possession, mm. that list of people that Elaine Maxwell has, we could decipher a lot. Well, in that fashion, another Rosetta Stone would be a, a Donald Trump. Because now we got we're starting to see how yeah, they but, operate, you know you, how how the uh, the the crazy uh, unseen hand, the, the deep state, but how all they operate. The, all that is available. All that is unlocking our minds. Like, wait a minute, it's, somebody's uh, controlling us. There's a sinister thing. Yes, there. and who? We were able, now we're able to think this because of this guy who mysteriously supposedly committed suicide, Mm. which I don't, I'm of a faction that he might still be alive somewhere. Mm. He holds the key. He is our modern day Mm. Rosetta Stone. That's everything, even to the point that the, Titan, the submersible that went down, is linked to him. 
and you heard it here first, I will probably be dust in some coffin somewhere. And you're going to hear, ah, the Rosetta Stone of the 2020s was a man by the name of Jeffrey Epstein. You heard it here first <laughs> on the Pyramid Podcast. Well, that's funny that you say that because uh, I just did a quick uh, search. Um, and I got this uh, interesting uh, article from the New York Times. It says, Jeffrey Epstein hoped to seed human race with his DNA. You see what I mean? The more you dig, the more you find. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty wild. I mean, and the fact that nobody, why is it that we're the ones are the only ones questioning this and not, why isn't this the mainstream? It's so, it's so deep that I even think the death of Ishogi, the reporter that was supposedly uh, dismembered in Turkey, mm-hmm. is also linked to Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, Pizzagate linked to Jeffrey Epstein. This is why we have this board here. Right. Everything leads to him. And I believe even the UFO phenomena, he's probably, God, please don't let this be. But even to the fact that maybe we have, now this is going to sound ridiculous, Mm -hmm. my coined phrase, (laughs) but even the children that go disappearing and, Mm. and all these people that disappear in these forests, all throughout state parks, everywhere. Maybe we're feeding the aliens. Yeah. And maybe Jeffrey Epstein was at least on that panel or on that group of people because this guy had a lot of power. Yeah. And you heard it here first on the Pyramid Podcast. (laughs) So if you want to dig into this a little bit, it says here... uh, Jeffrey Epstein, the wealthy financier who was accused of sex trafficking, had an unusual dream. He hoped to seed the human race with his DNA by impregnating women at his vast New Mexico ranch. Mr. Epstein, over the years, confided to scientists and others about his scheme. According to four people familiar with his thinking... Although there is no evidence that there is that it ever came to fruition, Mr. Epstein's vision reflected his long-standing fascination with what has become known as transhumanism, the science of improving the human population through technologies like genetic engineering and artificial intelligence. Critics have likened transhumanism to a modern-day version of eugenics. The discredited field of improving the human race through controlled breeding. Now, who was a famous person in history who was knee deep in eugenics? Uh, Hitler. Hitler. Right. So, by this, I'm proving my point. Mm. Jeffrey Epstein is... Our Rosetta Stone. Mm. And uh, with that, I'm just going to play a little clip here 
from the Lost Century, and then we got to wrap it up. So uh, here we go. Here's the Lost Century, and here's like what we've been discussing. the the main The main takeaway that uh, I got out of this from from this uh, particular um, documentary, uh, with regards to the energy, because I mean. UFOs is part of it, but and extraterrestrials is part of this documentary. But what he really asserts is most of this technology, we there's humans behind it, not alien creatures. There's humans behind it, and there is a concerted effort, and in fact, um, a plan to stage a UFO, uh, alien, world of world type event using these crafts. And we would believe that the that these aliens are 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 doing these things because of the way they operate, but what uh, Stephen Greer says, Doctor Stephen Greer has been saying, is that these aliens, these extraterrestrial um, beings, they have to be of a a certain personality in order for them to even getting access to the cosmos, because you can't be a destructive nature, a destructive being. Uh, traversing the the cosmos, just destroying it for ever for all the beings that live in the universe. So I don't know. Well, uh, this is going to be a a thing that we're going to have to keep constantly uh, revisiting. But uh, this is something that makes all the pieces of the puzzle finally make sense. Here, I want to come with another Ernesto original hashtag. The J.E. Stone, the Jeffrey Epstein Stone. <laughs> Hashtag Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> our modern-day Rosetta Stone. <laughs> so here we go. You heard it here first on the Pyramid <laughs> Podcast. That's right. So here's uh, the lost century and how to reclaim it. don't have access, this is how they're living. It's not only that 3 billion people don't have access to energy sources, it's also that their way of life is under constant assault by our own, primarily through the um, financial system that imposes debt through development loans and other mechanisms on most of the world, who then must, in order to meet the debt payments, must convert their environment into commodities and their time and energy into labor for the global marketplace. So if you don't include those kinds of issues and you're only talking about let's bring more energy to the world so they can so that we can raise them up to be like ourselves. Come on, it's not working. Being like ourselves is not working. Look at the depression, look at the suicide, look at the addiction, look at the obesity, look at the despair. This is not a fit destination to evangelize throughout the world we need some humility here and i think that go watch it folks uh that's just a teaser a nice nice little teaser but what is the name it's called the lost century and how to reclaim it i mean what he says there is very is very true who are we to think that we need to export our way of life what the racism that we experience, the the uh, the divide between the have and have nots, 
what do you want to export what it feels like to be in new york when you're a bum and you have uh these high-powered executive million dollar people and these expensive suits just walk over you like as if you're part of the uh, the city landscape you know what are we exporting here are we really helping everybody out there well if we were helping these other countries really then they wouldn't want to come here now would they Right? Precisely. <laughs> Why would they want to come here if we're making their country like ours? Right? You know, and that, that right there, and and we didn't get to play it, but uh, next week we'll the, uh, play uh, Tucker uh, stating, you know, this whole lie, and yet again, we're lied to, like, constantly. Uh, the lie that we're fighting a war of democracy in Ukraine is a lie because Zelensky already is uh, calling for martial law and saying there is no election until we figure out this war. So supposed democracy evaporated and he's still, you know, Zelensky is still the president. You know, the this whole thing is still... Supposedly what we're fighting for, Ukraine is still a country, but yet, you know, the democracy, we'll, we'll, we'll put that on a shelf. <laughs> well, uh, is there anything you would like to say before we move on to the final uh, segment? Yes, I just want to thank Mr. Dumas for gracing us with his presence. Um, This was a very eye-opening podcast you know this whole thing with the, this movie what's the name of the movie the sound of freedom uh it's troubling and sad that we human beings can do this to our own people and i i always uh hold on to this thought that we're gonna continue on this path until god says no more Right. So if I am correct, what are the two the two ways that he destroyed the earth? With water and fire. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, I don't believe this is in the Bible. But the day that we're going to look up to our heavens and see a massive extraterrestrial rock coming towards earth. And it's about to destroy humankind on planet Earth. That will be the day that all this nonsense is going to stop. Do we have to wait until that happens? Let's all stop the nonsense. Let's love one another. And take our species to the next level. And let's have peace on this planet. Because at the trajectory that we're on, there's no hope for humankind. Mm. None whatsoever. We're destroying Mother Earth. Well, I, I, I asked uh, Dan, you know, about uh, what are the ways God destroys the Earth. And it's uh, flood. Water. Uh, fire and brimstone. Fire. Apocalypse or judgment day. Which is revelation. Divine wrath. 
and cycle of creation and destruction. So I believe that our next demise, when when the Lord says, my God, it's it's done. He's going to send a rock the size of the what destroyed the the dinosaurs or what we think destroyed the dinosaurs. Mm. And when this comes above and we see it, then we're going to stop the nonsense. But guess what? It's too late. Mm-hmm. So let's stop this. Yeah, I mean, in the, in the documentary, he mentions the Hopi prophecy, and we have... Two choices above uh, ahead of us right now. Exactly. We I can, forgot can, about the Hopi prophecy. We can continue to uh, ignore this problem and just fall off the cliff, or we can do something about it, hold these people accountable, and reclaim this technology. And if we do, the future is going to be something that we we thought of Back in the 50s, the future of the Jetsons, the, the future of unlimited power. You know, if if we got a taste. Unlimited energy. Right. Unlimited energy. Power, well, power energy. Um, uh, if we got a taste of what uh, unlimited communication is through the Internet and what that disrupted, imagine what energy is going to disrupt. I mean, all the, like I said, basically all Dubai broke. What are you going to do? What are you going to try to sell me oil when I can basically manifest things out of the thin air? Where am I going to buy your oil for? BlackRock <laughs> would just go right bankrupt. Right. Why, you know, maybe... Maybe what um, this guy Klaus Schwab he he had it completely wrong. It's we'll own everything, and we'll be happy. <laughs> exactly. Instead of the other way around. Right. So. And with that said, folks, we are ready for our ultimate own. Turn off the light. Take a deep breath. Thank you for tuning in to the Pyramid Podcast. And we're going to end this as we usually do with our ultimate OM. And with this OM, I want to implore the world, all human beings on this planet. Let's not let what I've been talking about all this podcast, the evil, infest the cracks. Let's let go of that evil. And let's have peace on earth. There's nothing better. 
nothing better that I think about than just peace and love and having fun, enjoying our lives with our families, our friends, and this gift that the Almighty God has given us, which is life. With that said, let's go into our ultimate home. Everyone take a deep breath. Embrace positive energy. And Lucy, you're not going to infest. Not this guy right here. <laughs> and let's not let him infest, infect any other cracks. We're going to defeat you. In the name of our Lord, I repel thee. You're not. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. No, you're not. And with that said, if the universe is infinite, then so are the possibilities. There's night, a possibility folks. of peace on earth. <laughs> Absolutely. Peace. Peace. Lucy. Lucy! What was that? You fucked up. Now you need a bow bow. Bow! Bow! If I were the Prince of Darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The... So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. 
If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing, I'd have judges promoting pornography, Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want it until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. What'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day.